Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, friends into a glorious Thursday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, sportscallauburn.com, and the Sports Call podcast. After the fact, I'm Ryan LaVoy with Brooks Childress today. Just a two-man booth on this Masters Thursday. We will be talking a lot about that as uh, the greatest golf tournament in the world is underway. So we'll have thoughts on that. Tiger Woods is through 17 holes right now. We'll update you on him as he finishes. Of course, also a big day today because it's opening day. Major League Baseball gets underway. Fortunately, Rob Manfred will have a oversee a 162-game season, and we will not have to deal with any uh, lack of baseball. Baseball should have started last week, but it starts this week. We get all 162 in. We will talk about the Atlanta Braves and what we expect to see this season out of them and across Major League Baseball. And, of course, we'll talk some A-Day as well. We'll have Tom Green on of AL.com at 4.15, previewing A-Day, also talking a little bit more about Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler. So a lot to get to today. Also, your calls on our Auburn Bank phone line as well. So a, a pretty busy day. April day is not always the busiest but uh, this week especially, still a lot going on, a lot to talk about, and we will have the full three hours for you, just Ryan and Brooks with you today. And Brooks, uh, we've been having various ways of seeing the Masters today. I think everyone in the office has watched a little golf today. That's right. Uh, at one point, we had three st- separate screens throughout the office going, and it was you were on Masters.com, our general manager, Brooke, was on ESPN+, and then the, the TV that we have in our uh, offices was on Sports Center, which was cutting back from Sports Center in and out to Masters coverage and uh, whatnot. But it's just one of the best golf tournaments of the entire year, the best golf tournament in the entire year, of course, that everyone uh, desires to play at some point in their life. Not a lot of people get to do that, though. It's it's a very select few people that get to uh, walk the hollowed grounds of Augusta National. Oh. I feel like I have to start talking like this now. <laughs> they get to walk the hollowed grounds of Augusta National. Would you love to, Jim Nance, to welcome the people back from a commercial break? And they show a picture of Brooks Childress, a moving picture of him walking down the fairway Gosh. on whatever your fo- favorite hole is. Wouldn't that All be something? Them. All of them. <laughs> I would love to be walking down those fairways. You know, they let... Um, start talking i just i think i just need to keep talking about this you know they let the media some they have a media lottery the day Uh after the final round where media that cover the uh the masters get to play augusta national i would love if jim nance called for the media Uh uh-huh 
and it's just you know here's I'm um, he doesn't well, I guess he does Marty Smith at thirteenth <laughs> it would be phenomenal but the Masters Masters is just one of the best golf weekends of the year also kind of and it happens every single year it kind of signifies that it's Auburn Spring Game weekend right because every every moving day at the Masters is uh, today for spring football on the plains. A lot of people coming into town for that this weekend. A lot of stuff to talk about that. Baseball's here, finally. Thank goodness. We don't have to talk about spring training baseball anymore. I can go back to my normal voice now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I just feel say, like I every time that song comes on, yeah. and it may it may make some several appearances throughout the show, we just you just have to get down into a muted voice and kind of serenade your way through a sentence. Be appreciative of your surroundings, almost as if you were Bill Walton. Except you're talking in a much more calmer tone. I've I've said it several times today, where we've been talking about. Uh, someone asked me. I think uh, Brant asked me earlier. Do you play? Or no, Barry asked me earlier. Do you play golf? And I said not well, but I would like to have an experiment where I put in earbuds and just play the Masters theme for an 18 hole round and see if I play better with hearing <laughs> the Masters theme the entire time that I'm going. <laughs> I just feel like I feel like that's an experiment that needs to happen sometime this summer for me um, at one of the local golf courses. But yeah, sports. We're going to talk a lot about in the Masters. We're going to talk a lot about Opening Day baseball. Uh, Matt Olson hitting second in the Braves lineup tonight. Saw that a little bit earlier, and so we're here. It's uh, one of the a, a phenomenal weekend in the sports world. Auburn baseball in action uh, this weekend against the Vandy Boys. Auburn softball in action this weekend at the Hogs of Arkansas up there in Fayetteville. So a lot of stuff to talk about. Can't wait to uh, get into it with you and our callers today, Ryan. Yeah, no, the, the Masters obviously something we want to talk a lot about today. Uh, but also, let's be honest, we would mention it but uh, without this man. But uh, with Tiger Woods in it, it always has uh, a little bit more – a specialty to it. It also draws, you know, look, Augusta's the one tournament, the Masters is the one tournament where attendance would not be hurt by the lack of a Tiger Woods sighting. Uh, but we, we know that just about everywhere else, especially the non-majors, it's just not quite the same when he's not in it. And, uh, and so we've been following his every shot. Uh, we will miss this 18th hole, obviously, while we're on the air. But prior to that, seen every single shot today. And uh, he just gives it a little bit a, a different life to it. But uh, obviously, this tournament, everyone knows the exclu- exclusivity of it, excuse me, uh, of it, and just how this is one of the few courses that really, I, well, I say few courses, this is the only course and really one of the few events I can think of that you can't just go and buy a ticket for. Yeah. Like you, like like I'm saying, from the actual Masters, I'm sure there's some secondhand tickets for it. You're not supposed to do that, but I'm sure there's some way to purchase on a secondary market for an exorbitant amount of money. Uh, or I guess I, I I'm guessing, so I, I guess I've never proven it by looking up, and I should. But you can't just go to Masters.com or whatever PGA Tour and buy tickets for this. You can't do it. And I do. I am looking it up. And on the secondary market for StubHub, whew, there are so few tickets. Um, the cheapest ticket for Saturday, uh, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday is $1,908. There are no more than 100 tickets available on any of the days. So a few people 
are for basically foregoing the right to ever get them again and yeah. selling them. But uh, you're not supposed to. And so it's one of the very few events that you cannot buy a ticket for. That, like, there's some people that get priced out of events. Like, I, I could not buy a $5,000 ticket to the Bucks Super Bowl in Tampa a couple years ago. I really wish I could have. Um, if it ever happens again, we will definitely assess the situation and uh, look really hard at the bank account. But really was, would not have been smart for me to try and purchase that. But I could have. And people out there with a lot of money definitely could have. But it doesn't matter how much money you have unless you win the lottery, win the draw, or you know someone that's very important to yep. Augusta. Like you are the family of a player. You or, are the family of uh, Richard T. Augusta. Right, right. <laughs> or, or you are a corporate sponsor. You know, uh, which they don't have a lot of because, no. once again, how exclusive it is. But unless you had a very big partnership with the Masters, it's very hard to be guaranteed a ticket there. But I'll tell you what, though, I, I was—I've talked about this earlier this week. I think it was a Monday show where I've—it's been four, at least four years now that I've applied for tickets on the lottery, and I'm still sitting here, so obviously I still haven't won anything. Um, but the uh, the prices, if you do win. You would think that this is going to be, you know, oh, cool, I, I won the lottery, but how much is this going to set me back to go to the Masters? Practice, if you get a practice round, it's 75 bucks a piece. And if it's a, a actual tournament round, like a Thursday through a Sunday day round, it's 115 a piece. So it, it's, if you win the lottery and get the, are able to per, be able to purchase tickets, it's very, very affordable to go to the Masters. Secondary market, if you can find them, as you said, Ryan, they're very expensive slash impossible to get because of how exclusive the Masters is and how well guarded it is and everything. And they do a phenomenal, I've heard they do a phenomenal job of, you know, just policing every single little aspect of the Masters because it's just one of the most exclusive golf clubs in the world. And it's, you know, you, you they are on top of things when it comes to who they let in and if if you get to stay in so it's it's a it's a privilege really to be able to to walk through the uh is it magnolia lane that, that's the uh going straight up to it um it's a privilege to be able to to walk down that and walk into the mass into the uh, augusta national golf club to witness any any portion of the masters yeah no absolutely and uh trying to figure out here the uh the last hole for tiger woods is well, as we were talking about with the leaderboard he's one under tied for ninth right now through 17 holes cameron smith at six under through 17 as he was playing the the 18th when we stopped and now i'm uh, i think i'm i, I re-put it on my phone i don't know why i wasn't doing this just moments prior i guess <laughs> just very focused on getting the show operational but i just watched um i believe uh actually that was uh that was being out but uh yeah he's uh he's about to finish up the round we will have more updates to follow but uh we're gonna go ahead and take our first break of the program today when we come back james from montgomery will join us on our auburn bank phone line don't want to miss that and of course we'll have a lot more baseball masters update and of course we'll get into a day a little bit later as well this is sports call
We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here for the full three hours today as we keep you abreast of everything going on in the world of sports. But uh, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I am good on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. Oh, absolutely. It's beautiful here in the state of Alabama. It's also very beautiful in Augusta, Georgia, where the Masters is taking place. Yes, it is. I wish I was there actually playing golf with those guys out there in the Masters. I would love to be a golfer out there in the hollow grounds of uh, of Augusta National as well. Yeah, I think we all would, James. Obviously, that place is is a special place. Very few people get to even go there, let alone play the course. But, uh, yeah, no, that would certainly be something. Have you been watching a lot of the golf today? Uh, Yes, I have. I have been watching a lot of golf since uh, 1130 this morning and uh, seeing what Tiger Woods is going to do and uh, seeing what Bubba Wallace is actually going to do. And um, I actually got a lot of golfers in my fantasy mar- in my fantasy Masters lineup today as well. You, uh, who are some of the golfers you got in your lineup? I have Bubba Wallace. I have Tiger Woods. I have uh, Roy McIlroy and uh, a few other random uh, golfers that I just picked at random. I got you. Well, the names you said uh, are obviously great uh Great champions. All of those guys have uh, have won the Masters before, so uh, that's a good list. Yeah, so I'm just going to keep that list until the end of the Masters and uh, see how I come out as well. So this, this is actually my first time ever doing a uh, fantasy uh, lineup for golf since, you know, since forever as well. And um, this is one of my favorite times of the year to actually watch the Masters as well. Because before the Masters actually, you know, see off and everything, I always listen to, like, all the different uh, history of the Masters as well. And I do have a little uh, trivia uh, about the Masters. Did you know that in 1900, there was one golfer that was actually six feet? Say that again, James. In 1900, in the Masters, for the first time ever, there was a golfer that was actually six feet tall in the Masters in 1900. Okay, I got you. Yeah, obviously, uh, they uh, they don't make them, or they make them a little different than they used to with uh, bigger guys, bigger players now, so that's obviously way more common then, but I got you. Yeah, and actually, with... With uh, the Masters, I know golf is 18 holes, but this one in Augusta National actually has an extra uh, an extra putting green that was actually on the 19th hole that most of the golfers didn't even know about in the Masters as well. 
Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that before. Uh, obviously, I didn't no, know. No, this is like the history of Augusta National, like how it actually started. Oh, okay, I got you. I was about to say, yeah. I, I was I would not be aware of that today, but uh, yeah, they uh, they obviously. Uh, Every hole that uh, we have today, very tough, very difficult, and uh, and challenging. So everybody trying to work their way through the course right now on, on opening day. What else do you yeah. have on your mind today? Well, I'm just going to see how the Atlanta Braves are actually going to be doing. I know it's their big uh, reveal of the championship banner. So I'm actually going to see if they're going to go to the World Series again this year and make it uh, a second time around for uh, the championship Atlanta Braves to actually win another World Series uh, divisional uh, World Series uh, banner as well because I think they do need a second a second banner in Atlanta as well. Yeah, no, obviously we were really excited when they won uh, their first since the '90s last year, and uh, really was was out of nowhere considering where the team was in the middle of the season. They were not playing very good baseball, but they got really hot in the second half and then beat the Dodgers and the Astros and had a terrific postseason. And so, yeah, we're really excited to see the Braves unveil that banner, get their championship rings tonight, and going to be on national television. And, and uh, we're going to be talking a lot about baseball today. Yeah, because I do have the Atlanta Braves favor to win uh, today's game as well. And I'm just going to see if I know some guys from Auburn that are playing on that uh, championship team as well. Yeah, I don't think so to start the year. I know Grant Dayton from Auburn got to play with the Braves uh, on and off the last couple of seasons, but I don't believe he made the opening day roster. Obviously, uh, the Braves had Josh Donaldson from Auburn a couple of years ago, but now he's a New York Yankee. So there have been some Auburn ties. Tim Hudson pitched there a long time, obviously, but I don't think to start the year there'll be any Auburn guys on the team. Yeah, because I know um, with the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox, I know they're going to be playing uh, today. I'm quite sure i got to look at their schedule. Um, I know they were rained out yesterday, so I think they'll be playing either to later on today or tomorrow. I'm not quite sure on that one. They were supposed to play today, but they got rained out today. So they will they will start their seasons tomorrow. It should be dry up in the Northeast, but a lot of rain going through there right now. So they, they got postponed today. They'll play tomorrow. Okay, so I just have to see um, who who they have on their roster for opening day as well. And I'm hoping that, you know, the the uh, New York Yankees are actually going to win, actually, for that one as well, because that one is one of the biggest, biggest rivalries in Major League Baseball to, to actually, you know, see some of the great, great uh, players of uh, yesteryear from the Yankees, like Mickey Mantle and um, Babe Ruth and many many guys from from that iconic uh, team as well so i just have to see if if the history would actually continue between these two teams as well oh yeah james you named a couple of them but the new york yankees certainly uh with their 27 championships the most famous organization in the sport of baseball and, and the red sox yankees is the most famous rivalry in the sport of baseball as well so i those two teams, they, they play obviously 18, 19 times a year, and most of the time their games get on national TV because a lot of people want to see them. Yeah, so this will be actually my first time ever watching history in the making, and I love Major League Baseball. I've been watching it for years since I was a little kid, 
and I've been wanting to, you know, hear my name being called in some of the greatest uh, baseball stadiums known to man as well. Yeah, to hear your name at Yankee Stadium or Fenway Park or, you know, I, I'm sure you're a Texas Rangers fan, so be hear your name called for the Texas Rangers, that would be a, would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it will be because I, I really – um, I really do love baseball as well, and I've seen so many great um, great celebrations of the home run derby and the all-star break, and it, it's, it's amazing. I wish I was there, you know, you know, meeting some of the great legends of, of yesteryear as well. Yeah, maybe if they have an all-star game in Atlanta. Of course, they were supposed to last year, and they moved it. Uh, but mm-hmm. the, if they're able to have an all-star game in Atlanta sometime soon, maybe you'll get to go to that one. Uh, I actually would love to go to Atlanta. Um, I haven't been to Atlanta since uh, since they actually moved the stadium from Turner Field, and I don't know where their new stadium is in Atlanta. So it's it's really amazing to see uh, the city of Atlanta being you know honored with a lot of a lot of great sports out there as well. Yeah, it's uh, if you uh, obviously you pass Turner Field from the interstate. If you just keep going on the interstate a few more miles north, uh, up in the Cobb County, uh, that's kind mm-hmm. of where it is. It's it's not too far. It's probably about I don't know fifteen twenty minutes, depending on traffic, of course. But uh, it's not too much further up there. But it is still uh, North Atlanta. Yeah, because I do uh, love Major League Baseball and I love uh, the. Triple A baseball for the uh, Montgomery Biscuits as well because I know uh, Tom PV will be out there uh, next week on next Tuesday and I will be out there and um, you know everybody who's heard me on the radio uh, just you know come by and say hello you know just you know tell me that you heard me on the radio as well and um, you know a lot of a lot of other callers might you know want to know. How long I've been an Auburn fan, I can really tell them, you know, what was my, like, you know, they can actually tell me what was, like, my most famous Auburn moment. I got a bunch of them, so I'll probably leave that one on uh, Friday's show as well. Yeah, no, I was about to say, you know, I, I hope uh, you and Tom Peavy can uh, say hello to each other when you when you do go to Biscuits games next week. And, uh, yeah, I know a lot of people always, uh, always want to hear what you have to say about uh, your Auburn fandom, and we've definitely talked a lot about that in the show. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think you and Tom should uh, should see each other next week. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that that would be amazing as well. And I did look at um, coming up in November, um, the Auburn men's basketball team will be playing in a big big tournament coming up this uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, yeah, and when when it comes around to next season, obviously, yeah, in uh, in Thanksgiving they'll be, or just shy of Thanksgiving they'll be at the Cancun Challenge and in, uh, in Mexico, and uh, they'll they'll have a couple of games down there. They'll have a game here beforehand against Winthrop, and then they'll take on some decent teams there in Cancun. So yeah, definitely a uh, cool opportunity for Auburn. They they're now going to more and more of these uh, early season tournaments, and that Cancun mm-hmm. Challenge right before about a week before uh, Thanksgiving will be a lot of fun. Yeah, because I think I'll be able to watch that one as well. And um, probably, you know, when the season starts rolling back around next uh, year in 2023 and in 2024, I'll probably see, like, for Auburn women's basketball, I will probably see them actually make another trip out to uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and actually seeing 
seeing that actually uh, being a very, very good uh, spot for Auburn as well. Yeah, I don't know if they're uh, slated to go out there this uh, this fall, but certainly you want to see the, the women's team uh, and, and some cool early season tournaments as well to kind of build up their notoriety, get some good competition, that sort of thing. Yeah, and with the uh, NFL draft that's coming up this coming up weekend, where do you see any player that's coming from Auburn, where do you see them ranked in in the NFL draft? Yeah, so not quite this weekend, James. It's at the uh, towards the end of April, so it's in three weekends. But uh, yeah, no, I think Roger McCreary will be uh, certainly the first Auburn Tiger taken. I think you've seen his name mostly in the first round, somewhere in the back half of the first round. But I, nevertheless, I do think Roger McCreary would go in the first round. And then there's some other guys from Auburn that that will go in mid to late rounds. But McCreary is is the biggest one for the Tigers. Okay, because I think I was probably I was looking. I haven't looked at the uh, draft board yet, but I'm probably saying I might say that Roger McCreary might be um, like on the back half of the first round, and I'll probably see him get picked by the New York Jets or the New York Giants. One of those two teams might uh, wanting a really good uh, player out of Roger McCreary as well. Yeah, I'd have to double-check to see if they got a pick in the back half of the round. They might be picking too early in the first round to uh, want to take Roger at that point, but they can always trade back in and that sort of thing. I saw he visited uh, with the Buccaneers a few days ago because a couple Auburn Tigers are already in Tampa, so he visited them. But, uh, yeah, I think he'll go somewhere in the, the late teens, mid-20s, somewhere in there. Yes. Now, what about uh, C.J. Uzama? Is he still going to be with the uh, the the Bengals or is he going to get traded to a different team because I've been hearing his name being you know popped up popping up here and there for other teams that might be looking at him as well yeah so he was a free agent this offseason and he chose to sign with the New York Jets so he and Carl Lawson in previous seasons they are both now New York Jets Okay, because I know uh, Carl Lawson, um, I know he's a really good player for the New York Jets because I think I've seen him uh, play a couple of seasons. And I think I think with that being said, I'll probably see the New York Jets actually make it this year to the Super Bowl as well. Well, I'm sure a lot of Jets fans would love to share in your enthusiasm, but I think that uh, I don't think they're ready for that quite a big of a step, James. They're, uh, they've got a lot of work to do with their roster. Yes, as well. And then uh, this coming up weekend, I will be watching the race from Martinsville, and I'm just going to see um, how things are. And um, seeing, well, tomorrow is the uh, Camping World Truck Series uh, rally in uh, Martinsville. So that starts tomorrow. And then Sunday uh, is the, ex- no, Saturday is the Xfinity uh, Cup Series race. And then Sunday is the um, major race for uh, NASCAR as well. So they've, they've got actually a little bit of different schedule this week, James. Usually, yes, the, the Saturday race would be the Xfinity Series and Sunday would be the Cup Series, but they're actually racing Saturday night in the Cup Series. So the main event with Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, everything like that, that's Saturday night. The Xfinity oh. race will be tomorrow on Friday. Yeah, so that would be the one uh, for the um the truck series will be tomorrow yeah one last thing for us james before we let you go 
Um, no, I do not have anything uh, for y'all, but um, I'll probably uh, get some movie trivia tomorrow as well. Movie trivia tomorrow. Okay, we will remember that. We will give you some movie trivia tomorrow. All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Going to take our next break of the show. Birthdays in sports coming up after this timeout. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Jeff Whitaker, Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here. As uh, just two amigos right now filling in as the group gets ready for some high school baseball. Smith Station, Auburn High in Auburn. That one coming up at 445. Is that on WQSI? It sure is. 93.9. So you catch that. You're also going to have Tiger Talk. This is the last Tiger Talk of the season, and that will come up right after our show here on 95.9, typically on 93.9, but for the finale of this season, 95.9 at 6 o'clock, right after we are done. And so uh, a lot of stuff to get to today, but we do this each and every day, so now is the moment that we do... It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Today's Birthdays in Sports on April the 7th. It's starting off with a couple of twins, one of them I'm very, very familiar with in the sporting world. We'll start with Tiki Barber, turns 47 today. Former NFL running back, Barber played college football and ran track at Virginia. At Virginia, I was about to say, alongside his twin brother, Rondé. You got to let it sit for a minute. Where go Hoos. Go Hoos. There you go. Where he broke several program records and was ACC Player of the Year as a senior. His number 21 was retired soon after. He was taken in the second round of the 97 draft by the New York Football Giants and played with the team until 2006. He was a three-time Pro Bowler and was one-time All-Pro. Tiki Barber turns 47. In that little spiel, I told you that his twin brother also played at the University of Virginia, and his name was Rondé Barber, who turns 47 as well, former NFL corner. Barber ran track, wrestled, and played football in high school. It was a standout in both sports, or I guess in three sports. He played college football at Virginia alongside his twin brother Tiki, where he was ACC Rookie of the Year in 1994. His number 19 was retired by Virginia after his graduation. He was selected by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 1997 NFL Draft. He played 15 years for the Bucs and was a five-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, and one-time Super Bowl champion. And I'm eagerly awaiting the moment that he gets his rightful place 
in Canton, Ohio. Rondé Barber turns 47 today. Tony Dorsett turns 68. Dorsett played running back for his hometown University of Pittsburgh and led the Panthers, Panthers to the national title as a senior in 1976 and won the Heisman Memorial Trophy. He was selected second overall in the 1990, excuse me, 1977 NFL Draft by the Dallas Cowboys, where he was Offensive Rookie of the Year in 1978. Played 10 season for the Cowboys and was a four-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, and a Super Bowl champion. Tony Dorsett turned 68 today. I can't believe, one, he's 68. Two, a couple weeks ago, I got a... Uh, We've, we've talked about this product on our show before. Not a sponsor, but if you'd like to sponsor us, we're open to it. Uh, Homefield did a, uh, a deal where you could get a mystery box, and you could just you know pay X amount of dollars, and they'd send you a couple things that were sort of random. I got a Pittsburgh football T-shirt in that box. Uh, you never told me the contents of that oh, yeah. random box. Yeah. So well, a I Pittsburgh got, T-shirt. Yeah, Pittsburgh football T-shirt, okay. which is phenomenal i haven't worn it yet i need to wear it up here and then i also got a cow uh sweatshirt wow and it just says cow right across the front of it you you overall pleased with that yeah okay i was listen as a we're not we're not shy about our allegiances right. on the show so as a, an auburn graduate and fan um was just glad it wasn't an alabama or a georgia thing or else it would have been a had it been given away or sold or something well see that's what we were speculating is because they surely, I mean, they know where they're sending this to. Yeah. But they might do it regionally and therefore, or might have an order history for you or something and know that you're interested in, or, or maybe interested in teams around here. And so I did figure it would be teams maybe in the SEC or ACC. And Pittsburgh is in the ACC, but it is not near here. So I want to see because Justin Ferguson, who's also a big proponent of uh, home field, I think they actually do have a sponsorship deal with his uh, a, uh, Auburn Observer. He posted what he got. This has nothing to do with birthdays besides the fact that I got a Pittsburgh T-shirt and Tony Dorsett is having a birthday today. Okay, he got a Indiana, Boise State, and what is um. I can't. I don't know what this other one is. You'll have to it show says it to the me. Cathedral of Learning. I don't know. The Cathedral of Learning. Pittsburgh. More Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, it's two Pitt. Look at that. So Pittsburgh is very liked in those uh, surprise boxes. Yeah. Apparently. And uh, Pittsburgh's Tony Dorsett turns 68 today. And uh, last birthday today, Adrian Beltre turns 43, former MLB third baseman. Beltre made his MLB debut with the Dodgers in 1998 at age 19, played for 20 years in the majors, and was a four-time All-Star, five-time Gold Glover, four-time Silver Slugger, and led the NL in home runs one time as well. Upon his retirement, Beltre was the only third baseman in history with both 3,000 career hits and 400 home runs. He retired as the all-time leader amongst third basemen in career hits and RBIs and ranked third in home runs amongst third basemen. He is also the fifth major leaguer to have at least 100 home runs for three different teams, which I would uh, guess would probably be, what, Dodgers, Mariners, and maybe the Rangers? Yeah, he played wrong with Rangers, I would think. So Adrian Beltre turns 43 today. By the way, those are the birthdays in sports. Um Please put him in the Hall of Fame. I, I know he's not up for it yet because he just retired a few years ago. I think five years for him is 23, maybe 24, 24. 
Um, but uh, if you have over 3,000 hits and 400 home runs, I just I know it's hard, and, and we're going to talk positive Major League Baseball things throughout the rest of the show, but I know it's hard for these people that vote on the Hall of Fame to, you know, actually allow deserving people into the Hall of Fame. But uh, 3,000 hits, five gold gloves. He's like, oh, he doesn't play defense. Five gold gloves, 3,000 hits, 400 homers. Tell me what else you want in a Hall of Famer. I, I, I'm sure he'll go, you know, I'm probably, I, I don't know how they'll vote with Beltre. He probably will go pretty quickly. But just, just to be clear, get out in front of it so that there's not like a rag on them type of situation in two years. Like, oh, he just he just thinks Beltre should be in because they think he should. No, he should be in. And uh, please don't make another mistake. MLB Hall of Fame. Let, let me ask you a trivia question. Did you, one, did you read off the batting average for his career? I did not. All right. Well, then let me ask you, let me ask you two things, trivia here, while yeah. we've got some time. What is his, uh, Adrian Beltre's career batting average? Because you're always really good at this. He had, if, if you would like, he had 11,068 at bats, 3,166 hits, and 477 home runs. Almost 500 home. Just put put him put him in the Hall of Fame. That's all I'm saying. Um, I'm gonna go like two, two seventy two, two eighty six. Oh, okay. batting average. My next uh, okay. question. He played for five different teams. I yeah, I got that. It's uh, Dodgers. Then he was a Mariner. Then he was a Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, I'm missing one because I know he was a Ranger too. I don't know who the fifth one is. The fifth one is the well. No, never mind. Never mind. He played for four teams. Okay, there you he go. He played for four yeah. teams. I was misreading that. He played for four teams. He wore 29 during his entirety of his career for all of the uh, his time there. Four-time All Star, five-time Gold Glove winner. Four-time Silver Slugger Award winner, two-time Platinum Glove winner, Adrian Beltre. He wore 29 at all four stops. But one of the stops, he did not wear 29 for a little bit. Do you know which stop and what number it was? I don't know. I do not know. When he first got to the Mariners, Uh he had to wear number five, and then he got 29 after he was at the Mariners for a bit. So he wore 29 with the Dodgers, the Mariners, the Red Sox, and the Rangers. But when he first got to the Mariners in 2005, he had to wear number five. Someone then that was really good for the Mariners wore 29. And I'm just not good at numbers. And so it might be incredibly obvious who was 29 when he got there. And I'm now going to frantically look that up. And you know what? I'll just look it up during the break because we do need to take one more time out in this First hour, when we come back, Keith from Auburn will join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. 
Back here on Sports Call, Ryan and Brooks with you here on this Thursday afternoon. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, or after the fact on the Sports Call podcast available everywhere you may get your podcast. All right, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line here in the final segment of our number one. Keith from Auburn. Keith joins us. Keith, how are you doing? Hey, guys, I'm doing great. Uh, who, who am I talking to today? Uh, just Ryan and Brooks today. Oh, okay. Were you on yesterday, Ryan? Uh, I was not. I believe Brooks hosted the show I yesterday. was here yesterday. Oh, Brooks was. Okay. I couldn't remember which one. Uh, I've got a question. I know y'all were talking about uh, mascots or nicknames or, or whatever. Yesterday, yeah. And, and here's here's the question. Can you tell me what uh, Oregon's mascot is? The Hornets. Or nickname. That's what it says, but the true history, uh, their old mascot was a hornet with a Navy hat on it. They were originally, back in the old days, the sea hornets, if I'm not mistaken on that. Interesting. Yeah, and a sea hornet is some type of uh, naval airplane or something to that degree. I've researched it a long time ago, and I can't remember exactly, uh, but... I know I, I talked with, with Coach Brown back when my boys were in school. I said, well, we, we changed the name back to the Sea Hornet. We'd be the only mascot in the country that probably's got Sea Hornet. But Mr. Brown didn't want to do that. So, uh, But anyway, I, I'm pretty sure they, back in the day, they were that was the original mascot. It was the Sea Hornet. All so, right. And, you should uh, bring it back. I, yeah, yeah, I guess so. That's what I think. But, hey, um, real quick. I've been out and about, and I've kind of lost touch. Uh, has Tiger finished his round? He has. He finished it about 20 minutes ago or so, and he parred 18, so he shot one under 71. One under 71. And what's leading it right now, six under? Uh, it was six under, but Cameron Smith double bogeyed 18, so it's actually four under between Smith, Scheffler, and now Dustin Johnson at four under. Okay, so Tiger's three off the lead. What about – where's Patrick Reed at in his uh, – 18 holes today is round. Uh, let me skim the leaderboard here as I continue to scroll. It looks bleaker and bleaker for Patrick Reed. Unless I have missed him, I still don't see him. I still don't see I must have missed him. All right. Well, hang on. Let me go back. Let's say okay. enthralling radio. I think through six or seven I'd looked earlier. He was either even par or, or maybe one under, but it could have been plus one. I, I don't He's, really remember. I found it. He is – Tied for 63rd at three over right now through okay. 12. Okay. Yeah, he's going backwards. Okay. Yeah, I was just uh, curious about about those two golfers. But uh, anyway, I guess I'll watch highlights this evening when I get home uh, on, on the tournament because this is my favorite time of the year and favorite tournament of the year. So I think I think many would agree. But, but anyway, guys, listen, I, I appreciate y'all taking uh, my phone call. And uh, y'all keep up the great work. Yes, sir. We appreciate the phone call, Keith. That is Keith from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. About four or five minutes before the hour expires here. Uh, and, uh, yeah, as we just talked about with Keith, and actually the leaderboard's changed again because Scotty Scheffler bogeyed 18. So the early leaders when we went on air, I say early, but throughout most of the day, Cameron Smith, Scotty Scheffler both had travails on 18. So Smith double bogeys down to four under. 
Scheffler just bogeyed down the three under the finishes round. So now Cameron Smith and Dustin Johnson share the lead at four under. Tiger Woods is one under, puts him tied for 10th right now, obviously still about a third of the golfers, maybe a little over a third of the golfers still on the course today. Uh, we're going to talk about in hour number two, uh, a lot of A-Day stuff, a lot of baseball stuff. We'll have Tom Green on at 415 uh, to preview A-Day. Brooks, I believe you are going to be attending A-Day, not in a professional capacity, although you can certainly I mean, I'm always professional. Oh, yeah, you're always professional. You're not going to hoot and holler too much but uh it's a practice but uh this will be your first a day attendance as a fan question mark yeah this will be i'm I'm probably mainly because i've been uh in a relationship with uh, my now fiance grace reynolds for four years and we she brought it up this week that we've never been to a football game together because i've always been working uh since we started uh dating and so this is going to be our first uh attending together I mean, it, it's a fun, it's a, you know, it's a fun day to get out there and watch, you know, see practice. It's, you know, obviously we talk about it every single year. It's just, it's a glorified practice and you're not going to see anything that's going to be over, overly exciting. You may see, you know, a couple guys that not, you're not really going to see a lot in the play, get a lot of playing time when you get to uh, the season in August, late August, but it's, it's a great benchmark to see how the team has done for, uh, for the, uh, coaching staff you get some guy you get the guys out there in front of a live crowd and see how they react being out you know in a more game day setting even though you're not really you know you're hitting each other but the quarterbacks aren't getting hit and it's not like you're trying to take the guy's head off uh like you would in a um in a normal game uh against any any other opponents but it's a good benchmark it's going to be uh it's going to be nice and nice weather out there it's gonna be a little chilly uh i think on i think at like lower 60s yep. on saturday so should uh should be really fun to be out there and can't be can't wait to be out there and uh watch this and not have to actively report during the game is uh is what uh is what's going to be the biggest um takeaway from for me at least yeah obviously what you know we take you behind the scenes a little bit uh, when we are able to work the game we are able to go into the press box uh, to be abundantly clear if there were any doubts you cannot act as a fan or applaud or anything like that in the press box most would not be surprised by that but nevertheless in case you're wondering like hey do do different people act different ways no you cannot be applauding either thing that goes for road media home media what have you so uh, the amount of times whether obviously as everyone knows I, I try and be as unbiased as possible on the radio show but still reveal who i root for at the end of the day uh, i root for auburn every game uh, but uh, i have not made positive noise towards Auburn in a uh, cheering fashion inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium for years. I just can't wait to actually be able to hear things because you can't hear hardly anything in that press box besides what's going on around you in the press box. You can't, you, you can kind of, like, you can hear some stuff, but you can't, like, it's very, everything's very muted in that press box because the windows don't open anymore, which is one of the downsides of it. Yeah, see, that, that does... And, and most people, it's not just an Auburn thing, most people have gone in that direction. They close off the press box and do various things to pipe in a certain amount of noise or lack thereof. And it's kind of, look, I think it's probably, if we're being honest with ourselves, it's the right thing to do for the working media because, again, there's very few people in there that yeah. are actually fans of either team. If there are fans 
of the team that are probably in radio like ourselves. And, and even then, we're still tasked with acting professionally as we should. Um, so I understand why the more fan elements are left out of it. There is a lack of, of noise. There is more of a – sometimes they'll do the PA, sometimes – um, they'll have an announcer. Ultimately, announce. everyone in that box is there to do a job, right. not to not to necessarily, quote, enjoy a football right. game. And, and I will admit that although I, I, I have a very much love and hate relationship with Davis Wade Stadium in Starkville, Mississippi, because on one hand, it is open air, and it is great to be able to feel the intense atmosphere at Mississippi State. On the other hand, I've na- never hated an instrument – more in my entire existence than that damn cowbell. Uh, that that was the worst. And, and it doesn't matter that Auburn wins or loses. To, to hear that thing on every play, it is an advantage. And Mississippi State fans do a good job with it. But nevertheless, if I were trying to be incredibly productive at a game like that, it is much harder to do so with the exorbitant amount of cowbell that's in everyone's ears. So I understand why we did why we do that, but at the same time, uh, there are still instances that it is not like that, and uh, you do feel the environment, that is for sure. End of hour number one. On the other side of this break in hour number two, we will have more on Auburn A-Day. We'll also talk Major League Baseball. The Atlanta Braves, they raise a banner tonight. We'll talk about that and the Major League Baseball season coming up. This is Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two kicking off here of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Masters Thursday. There's a, always a... Fun thing that we like to watch in the office from a, another radio show. Is it? Are they from Tennessee? Memphis. Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee. Chris Vernon show. Chris Vernon does a great job of uh, giving you Masters updates. <laughs> and uh, if you never heard it, you should go check it out. I'm not going to do it justice. But uh, essentially, they get like a nice beat going, and they just kind of yell into the microphone, make it rhyme a little bit, make it flow. What's going on in Augusta? That's right. And uh, it's great updates. You check that out. I think they post those to YouTube because we, uh, we watch them pretty frequently. It's also on uh, his Twitter, which is at Chris Vernon Show on Twitter if you uh, 
if you got the tweets. Yeah, I highly recommend that content. Good, good content if you're looking for uh, what's going on in Augusta. So uh, what is going on in Augusta is another Masters tournament that does see the participation of Tiger Woods. And right now, the lead's still at four under on last check between Cameron Smith and Dustin Johnson. So Tiger three off the lead after he completed a one under 71 round today. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into baseball right now, so we will we will kind of hold off on that. But uh, want to talk a little bit about A-Day because at 4.15, Tom Green of AL.com will be joining us to talk about all things A-Day, talk about all things Auburn, as obviously he's been uh, reporting on and continuing to cover Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler, as they're about to go through NBA draft process. Uh, was able to chat with Bruce Pearl the other day about uh, about those guys and also pivoting towards what this uh, the future of this Auburn team holds, which uh, should still be very bright. We know the Cancun Challenge matchups for Auburn. Uh, they're going to be taking on Bradley in the first yep. Cancun Challenge game in Cancun. But before that, you were telling me, and I kind of forgot about this, but that there's a campus matchup that involves some of the teams. And Auburn will ho- uh, hold a home game against Winthrop before they actually go to Cancun. And I was a little unclear uh, from looking at John Rossi and looking at some things. Do only four of the eight teams go to Cancun or do all eight play or all eight go down there? Because it seemed to me Rossi didn't tweet out any of the other games. So he only tweeted out, uh, or at least on the tweet I saw, I should have dug a little deeper. He only tweeted out the Auburn game and then who Auburn would play if they were able to advance. So just pulled it up. U.S. Games is going to be Tuesday, November 15th. Eastern Michigan will play at Bradley, and then Winthrop will be at Auburn. Friday, November 18th, will be Southern Miss at Liberty and IPFW, that is Purdue-Fort Wayne, for anybody that likes to Mastodons. That is the Mastodons, taking on Visit Northwestern. In actual Cancun... You've got the Mayan division, and you've got the Riviera division. Okay, so they all go. So it's Purdue-Fort Wayne versus Eastern Michigan and Southern Miss versus Winthrop in the Mayan division. And in the Riviera division... like a Mastodon would go to the Mayan division. (laughs) That's right. And then in the Riviera division is Bradley and Auburn versus Auburn, Liberty versus Northwestern. And then the winners of each of those play each other, the losers of each of those play each other. And then I think that is... uh, I don't know if there's a championship or anything... Sounds like they would. I don't know, but uh, some of these it's it. Some of these tournaments, it's like you get a couple teams that go there, and it's not really a tournament. It's really just hey, you win, you play this guy, you lose, you you play this guy, and then it's you know it's just over. Give you a few games, you know, just just say you did it. And uh, to to be quite honest, if you heard those teams uh, and are like, yeah, that's not really anyone big time. We agree. Uh, <laughs> there are not really any good teams going other than Auburn. Northwestern is perennially a non-NCAA tournament team. It was uh, it was a unbelievable occurrence when Chris Collins led them to the tournament, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago now because uh, they had had a long drought, and they have not been back since. So Northwestern is not an upper-tier Big Ten program at all. Uh, Liberty has had a few nice years. I think they compete in the A-Sun in basketball. They win 20, 25 games. But, again, a, a small conference team that has did not make the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, you got Bradley in there. They have some years in the Missouri Valley where they're decent. But, again, nothing like what you saw here in some of these recent tournaments. Of course, Auburn taking on Duke and Maui a few years ago. 
what they had with UConn this year and Syracuse. They don't have any of that in the Cancun Challenge. So in other words, it's going to be a very lovely trip. Cancun is a beautiful place. Um, great honeymoon destination. So I've heard. So we've heard. Uh, but not exactly going to be a, a behemoth uh, matchups for Auburn there in Cancun. But still getting to go. Uh, going to get some non-conference games, get some neutral site games, get a good venue, that sort of thing. So uh, let's uh, let's talk about Auburn A-Day here, about five minutes before we take a break. Talk to Tom Green. Uh, Brooks, as you look at A-Day, and you're going to be able to go from the fan point of view, um, I think it's obvious we're looking at quarterback play. What else are you looking out for uh, in, in A-Day? Uh, I want to see because you've got some guys. You know, you obviously you say you look at the uh, the rest of the team. Um, I want to see who can stand out in the wide receiver side of things because uh, that's going to be one of the big issues. Is there's not really a number one guy that you look at on this Auburn football roster right now and say that's our number one receiver. That's the number one receiver for the the Auburn Tigers. It, it's going to be you know it, it's not the best wide receiver class and we know we've known about that uh, for quite some time now. So who's going to step up? Who's going to try to uh, make their name known? And, again, just want to preface this. Just because you have a good day on A-Day doesn't translate to having a good day, having a great season. Things can change. You could get, you know, you can get hurt in the uh, in preseason camp. You can take a step back. There's so many different uh, scenarios that happen. But in just in general, I want to know who's going to have a big day on the wide receiver side. Who can step up on the running back side of things and maybe be that third back because you've got Tank, you've got Jarquez Hunter, and then you really are scratching your head to say, who's going to be that third guy? Because if you're rotating backs in and out, you've got to have three guys in there that you are, at least three guys in there that you are confident running the ball. And I think you've got two with uh, with Hunter and Bigsby, but who's that third guy going to be? Who's going to step up going into this next season and is going to be that third guy that can you know step in and say, I can be a second running back if one of these top two guys gets hurt. Um, I want to see what the offensive line looks like. I think everybody wants to see what the offensive line looks like. Uh, we've gotten several reports from scrimmages at pra- uh, from practice that the offensive line's been getting beat up a little bit. Not fit, not injury-wise, but been getting beat up by the defensive line for the Auburn Tigers, getting in there and making you know, multiple quote-unquote sacks. You can't hit the quarterback, but they've been getting in, disrupting things in the backfield, so I want to see how well they've started, if they've started to gel together. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I just want to see, as always, I want to see the secondary. I want to see how that secondary plays. And because uh, you go, you this type of, you know, we are now in a phase of college football where wide receivers are very, very important. You spread the ball around a, quite a bit. So how that secondary responds to the bell being spread around, uh, I really want to see how that how this Auburn secondary is sh- shaping up. You know, you, you mentioned running backs, and I just kind of saw something that I thought was kind of odd when looking at the roster. Uh, and, and maybe there's something I'm just overlooking here. But I'm not sure of too many rosters that have more quarterbacks than running backs. That, that doesn't feel like that's a common thing. But I was looking at the roster, and your running backs were Tank Bigsby. You got Jordan Ingram, a sophomore out of Mobile, St. Paul's Episcopal. You got Jarquez Hunter. You've got Justin Jones, a six one one ninety five junior out of Bessemer. And you got Sean Jackson, who was recently put on scholarship, five nine two thirty out of Hewitt Trustville. That's only five running backs. You got quarterbacks. Uh, of course, you've got the, the ones we know about. You, you got T.J. Finley, Zach Calzada, Holden Gurner, Robbie Ashford. But then, you know, you had D. Davis. He's 
listed. He's not technically on the roster. Yeah. But even so, you've got a couple walk-ons, Trey Lindsey, Sawyer Pate. So even though, even though, even with Davis out, you technically have six QBs, five running backs on the roster. And now, granted, you have a damn good running back, and you feel like you have a really good backup. But just for depth, we see Jarquez Hunter already with a, a knee cleanup procedure. Would love to find that third running back, as you say, because uh, I think a lot of people might think it might be Sean Jackson after being put on scholarship. But, uh, you know, at some point, Tank Bigsby is going to move on. And then by some points, probably be after this year, as he's a junior, he'll be draft eligible. So Jarquez Hunter and then who else? And knowing how Auburn wants to do things, how a lot of teams want to do things, uh, two running backs, you really at the minimum is what you want to have because you're going to be playing more than just one guy. It's not quite like quarterback position in that regard. All right, let's take our first break of our number two. On the other side of this break, AL.com's Tom Green will join us. We'll talk all things Auburn. That's next. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call Auburn continuing here on this Masters Thursday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here on the program. And now we are about to be joined here on our Auburn Bank phone line by Tom Green of AL.com. Tom, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. How about you guys? Doing well. And, and I'm curious, we'll start off with just with the spirit of this week. You got opening day today. Also got Masters here on this Thursday. Which one do you have more interest in? Uh, Masters. Um, I've had it on in the background a little bit today while I've been doing some work. Haven't gotten to watch too much, but uh, been poking my head up every now and then just to kind of keep an eye on it. Yeah, it was with the uh, roars of the crowd that can kind of uh, get the, the head to come up. We've been at the office today and uh, had it on as well. But uh, a lot to talk about with Auburn right now, even though it is the offseason. Got A Day coming up on Saturday. We'll get to that in just a moment. But I want to start with Auburn basketball news. And of course, this week, Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler announcing their plans to go to the NBA draft. No surprises here, Tom, obviously, but but talk about uh, what they meant to this Auburn program in one year and then uh, kind of uh, how much of a no-brainer it was for them to make the decision to go on to the next level. Yeah, I mean, they were kind of the fulcrum of Auburn's success this year. Um, you know, Auburn hasn't traditionally had these kind of front courts, um, but then to produce two All-Americans in one season, um, you know, Jabari Smith, uh, just the second consensus All-American in program history. Uh, Walker Kessler, I think he was one All-America team shy of consensus status. Uh, but National Defensive Player of the Year, Jabari Smith, obviously in the running to be the number one pick in the NBA draft this summer. Um, you know, Auburn doesn't have the kind of success it does this year without those two guys. Um, 
you know, Jabari Smith was, you know, best freshman in college basketball this season. He's just a complete alien out there, you know, six ten, but shoots forty two percent from beyond the arc, which is just absurd and you know, really makes the game look easy and Walker Kessler just you know, he was probably the best two way player in the country near the basket, um, you know, shot sixty something percent uh on the season and was just a beast down low defensively. So, you know, you don't get that kind of front court very often. Um, and I'm sure Bruce Pearl and, and the players, you know, wish they could have, you know, kind of parlayed that into, you know, some more postseason success. But uh, replacing them will be no easy task uh, heading into next year. And, Tom, I want to talk about replacing those guys, losing, like you just said, losing Jabari Smith, losing Walker Kessler. But over the last week, gaining another five-star in uh, LSU commit, Johan Traore committing to the, ti- or the Auburn Tigers this past week. What does he bring to this Auburn program going into next year? Yeah, so, I mean, he comes in, he's going to be the second highest rated player that this program's ever signed behind only Jabari. Um, so just from a talent perspective, you're already looking at what kind of tier he's in there. Um, you know, he's he's a 6'10 guy. He's still developing his game. He's you know only been in the U.S. for a couple of years. Was over in France at you know one of their big sports academies. I think it was the same one that produced like Tony Parker and guys like that. Um, but you know, he's still developing his game. Long term, um, for the people I've spoken to, he projects as a stretch four that can be a really you know high end defender both at the rim and you know kind of on switches out on the perimeter. Um, but I think you know. His immediate future next year, you know, I think you could probably slot him right in there as a starting center. Um, you know, line him up there in that in the front quarter alongside Jalen Williams, who you know Bruce Pearl seems really excited about. You know, kind of making a feature in that offense. Um, but he's a player that can just you know really attack the basket and finish, finish strong at the rim. Uh, he's got some good shooting touch. He can he can step out and shoot from deep. He's you know still working on being a little bit more consistent from that range. You know he's not a Jabari Smith type shooter, but he is a very good shooter for someone his size. Um, you know can can come off the pick and roll really well, um, and re- really can attack the basket pretty well. You know make plays with the ball in his hands. Um, so I, I think he's certainly a player who's going to be really interesting to watch and see if he de- you know how he develops. Um, especially this first year, kind of playing that center position. Yeah, and also, Tom, I mean, we, we started with basketball. We know eight days coming up here on Saturday. We will get to that in just a second. But even more Auburn basketball news today because of uh, the Cancun Challenge. Talk a little bit about uh, what Tigers fans can expect and, and what Auburn will be doing down in Cancun, Mexico. Yeah, uh, so they announced the, the schedule for that. I mean, obviously, you know, Auburn's you know, been set to participate in that for you know a while now. Um, but, you know, I, I believe, you know, it's one of those showcases where the first games are all played on the campuses of, you know, four of the eight schools. Um, so I think Auburn will host uh, Winthrop in the first game. You know, yes. Um, yeah, pulling up, they'll host Winthrop November 15th, I believe, on campus. And then that next week, you know, Thanksgiving week, they'll go down there and play two games in Cancun. It's the second time. Bruce Pearl's program has gone down there. I think they went into 2016 season as well. So they're familiar with it. They're familiar with the experience. Uh, you know, the field, you know, is, isn't quite as strong as, you know, the, you know, the battle for Atlantis or the, you know, the Maui Invitational, but, you know, it's another one of those really fun, you know, non-conference showcases where you just get a bunch of teams in there, um, you know, get a chance to, you know, kind of bolster that postseason resume how you can. Uh, I think teams in there this year, along with Auburn, are Bradley, Liberty, Northwestern, Eastern Michigan, 
Purdue, Fort Wayne, Southern Miss, and Winthrop. Um, you know, like I said, Auburn will have that first game against Winthrop, when they, and then when they get to Cancun, um, they'll face Bradley on November 22nd. And if they win that one, they'll play the winner of the Liberty Northwestern game. If they lose, they'll play the loser of the Liberty Northwestern game that following day. So, you know, little three-game non-conference uh, stint there for Auburn with two of those games down in Cancun uh, the week of the Iron Bowl. Tom, shifting gears now, we've got a big, I say a big weekend for Auburn football. It's it's the culmination of spring practice with the A-Day game this weekend, kind of the benchmark of where the team is after a couple weeks of spring ball. Uh, one of the biggest questions, and I think we'll be asking it to pretty much everybody that covers the Auburn Tigers until you get that first game in August, is about the quarterback position. How big is this spring been slash A-Day this time going to be for uh, T.J. Finley to separate himself when you've got a couple guys in coming in that are they've got skills at the quarterback position, but they're not on that same level of knowing the offense. Right, and, and and TJ has known, you know, since Bo transferred at the end of the you know, at the end of the season that, you know, this off season was going to be huge for him. You know, this was going to be his opportunity to kind of seize that starting job. Um, you know, like you said, he's the only guy in that room now, especially after the transfer of uh, D Davis, who has experience in this offense and you know has those reps. So he he's got a built-in leg up on you know, a Zach Calzada, a Robbie Ashford, a Holding Garner. Um, and, you know, from everything that we've seen this spring, TJ's been the one out there getting the first team reps every time we've, we've been out there in practice. Um, so that certainly says something about, you know, where they feel his command of this offense is. You know, we've heard a lot about, you know, he, he was a good leader last year, but, you know, it's hard to be a leader when you're a backup um, and you know, he was obviously thrust in that starting role last year, late in the season last year. But we've heard a lot about how he's developed uh, just, you know, having a command of the whole offense, not not just the X's and O's, but, you know, being that voice to speak up in the room and lead those guys. Um, so he he's working to make progress, but, you know, it he's going to have competition. Um, you know, from everything we've seen, you know, Robbie Ashford's been getting the bulk of the second team reps. Um you know, Holden Garner's been right there behind him. But, you know, right now this spring, it's mostly been T.J. Finley and Robbie Ashford. And, you know, Robbie Ashford, his, his arm has looked really impressive. He's made some good throws. You know, he, he's a really good athlete, obviously a baseball player. He's got some good speed and can use his legs. Um, you know, I think where this really gets, gets interesting is, you know, when Zach Calzada gets cleared for, you know, full return. You know, he's been limited this spring. So, you know, he's been taking a lot of those third and fourth team reps uh, we've seen him a few times, you know, get some reps with, you know, the the first and second team. I think this past week, you know, just some limited reps in, you know, skeleton drills. Um, but you know, he hasn't been able to to go full gear. But you know, he's got SEC experience. He's he's got a live arm. You know, the, the coaches obviously like him and wanted to bring him in here for a reason. So I think once he's healthy, um, is when this competition is going to get really interesting between him and TJ and Robbie Ashford. And obviously we talk about quarterbacks very often, especially when there is a bit of a quarterback debate like we have this year. But obviously this team trying to answer a lot of questions after a 6-6 six and six season last year. Uh, as we look at Saturday, what else, what other position battles or groupings should Auburn fans pay a lot of attention to? What other uh, groupings are going to be very important for the Tigers to work through? 
Yeah, so one that I'm certainly interested in seeing is the wide receiver position. Um, you know, just because you know you lose Kobe Hudson, you lose Demet- uh, Demetrius Robertson, you lose Kaylin Newton, who who didn't play as much, and you know, you bring back two guys who you know have experience and are kind of known quantities in Shedrick Jackson and uh, Javarius Johnson. But I'm curious to see who those other guys that kind of step up and kind of get get elevated into that top tier and, you know, can be one of those playmakers because, you know, this offense didn't have one of those consistent go-to wide receivers really last year. Um, you know, we, we've seen a lot from um, Malcolm Johnson Jr. this spring, heard a lot of good things about Tavares Dawson, who, you know, you look back to last fall, he was the only freshman that made the two deep. But then he never played last season. Um, you know, kind of, you know, missed some time. Then kind of just fell behind and never got back onto the field. Um, Jay Fair, freshman early enrollee, heard a lot of good things and seen some good things from him in practice too. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking to see what what those three guys do. Um, you know, as far as some other spots on the roster, you know, really, really curious to see how the secondary shakes out. You know, corner, you know, you probably feel a little bit better about that just because, yeah, you're you're losing Roger McCreary. Losing an All-American is tough, of course, but you know, you've got some, you know, guys who've played adequate reps there in Nehemiah Pritchett and Jalen Simpson. Um, I'm a little bit more curious in the safety spot and you know, kind of how that shakes out. Um, you know, seen some good things and heard some good things about Caden Bridges. You know, Caleb Wooden's come in as a true freshman and has you know really impressed a lot of people. Um, so just kind of curious to see, you know, how how, uh, how they line up back there, um, especially with, uh, you know, Zach Etheridge kind of just overseeing the whole secondary by himself this year after Derek Mason left. He's Tom Green of AL.com. And, Tom, obviously a lot of coverage this weekend of A-Day, but what else will you and the staff at AL.com uh, have here in the coming weeks? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, a lot of A-Day, a lot of post-spring analysis. Um, still going to try to focus on some more basketball as, as you know, we kind of recap the season and kind of look forward to how this roster is going to take shape and retool for next season. Uh, I'm sure there will be some more basketball news coming down the pipeline, um, especially with, you know, the, the uh, second signing day, you know, just around the corner. Um, so, obviously, they'll be, they'll be signing Yohan Traor, um, you know, probably adding a couple more pieces, whether that's, you know, another 2022 signing or through the transfer portal. So lots of stuff to keep, uh, keep the eyes on the next couple of weeks. Appreciate the time today, Tom. Yeah, glad to be on. Tom Green of AL.com with us here on the Thursday edition of Sports Call. Always appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk to Tom. We'll take a quick timeout on the other side. We'll talk more about Auburn A-Day. Also get into opening day, Atlanta Braves. Can be heard right here, well, not right here, but on our sister station, 1230 WAUD, right here in the Tiger Communications family of stations. We'll talk about that and more next. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au this is jake crane host of the j boy show and you are listening to the abby award-winning sports call Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, just had a good chat with Tom Green of AL.com. If you missed that, go check out the Sports Call podcast. And we also want you to go online 
thetiger.fm, find Sports Call, or go to the Sports Call social media accounts. We want you to take our Sports Call listener survey, as uh, that's been live for over a week now, already getting some great responses, but uh, we promise it is not cumbersome. It would only take about five minutes to fill out. would help us tremendously get engaged for what you, the listener, like to listen to and how we can improve the show, what we do well, what we don't do so well. So please go fill out that survey so we can hear from you. Uh, we just talked a little bit about A-Day for Auburn as uh, it's a big time of year. And look, I, I don't think anyone out there, from what I hear, you know, has, is of the opinion that it's just the most important thing you'll ever see. I think everyone over time understands that it's still, at the end of the day, just a big practice. Uh, it's a very public practice. It's the only this public practice, but uh, that it is a practice, nevertheless, still four or five months from the season. However, it, I still love the opportunity that people get to go to it. And so we don't want to ever rag on it because while if you're trying to get the eight wonders of Auburn football from it, you're probably not going to achieve your goal there. But look, you've been football starved. That round orange thing just uh, just stopped bouncing for the final time. And now you got uh, no football, no basketball, and, and we love our spring sports at Auburn. They're damn good. You should like baseball. You should like softball. We're excited about the opportunity for gymnastics to go compete in the in the national meet here in the final eight. But at the same time, we know you love football. And so this is a great opportunity to go see how the football team is developing. Uh, it's going to be the first time you've seen them since, uh, what, the Birmingham Bowl and will be the last time you'll see them this public until they play the real football that, that counts in September. So uh, we absolutely want to see a great uh, great crowd there at Jordan-Hare Stadium uh, supporting this uh, this roster here in the spring, and that's why we, we talk about it. We will continue to talk about it more, uh, a little bit more throughout this show and then again tomorrow uh, as well. But uh, we've yet to talk about the other big event happening today, and it is not Augusta. It's not the Masters. We've talked about that a lot. But it is opening day, as some may have heard, in Major League Baseball. Yes, Rob Manfred was not the Grinch, Grinch that stole the season. It is happening. Although he tried his best. He tried his best. Uh, he did not usher in a uh, positive outlook for a while. But uh, the first baseball game of the season is almost complete. We have our first close game. Top nine. Cubs five. Brewers four. Will the Brewers regret this in six months? We'll find out. But uh, that first game of the season is nearing its conclusion. You also have Royals and Guardians underway. Formerly Someone at the end, of, or the Brewers, teetering on the edge of being the first team to not be able to go 162-0. and Yeah. What a shame, although they just got a base runner on. Uh -oh. And then uh, Guardians-Royals, that's formerly the Cleveland Indians. Uh, the Cleveland Guardians and Kansas City Royals tied at 1-6. and six. And the St. Louis Cardinals with a... Huge middle of the lineup featuring Albert Pujols. Yes, you did not get transported back to 2007. <laughs> Albert Pujols is a St. Louis Cardinal again. He's the designated hitter for them because we have that in the National League. One of the positive rule changes Major League Baseball employed this offseason. But uh, Albert Pujols back, as you pointed out to me, uh, Yanier Molina's last season pointed that out to me in the break. So the Cardinals and Pirates underway. But we want to spend this segment talking about the reigning world champion Atlanta Braves. I wanted to point out to or you who, want to point this out for who's pitching today for the Cardinals. Let me look. It is I, I know who it is. Oh, old reliable 
The Braves only traded him out of the minor league system 37 years ago. Adam Wainwright. So in the lineup today, at some points you got Yadier Molina, Albert Pujols, and Adam Wainwright all in the Cardinals lineup. That's awesome. It's like you said, it's like 2005 out here. Former co-host of the program, Christian Page, is probably very happy right now. <laughs> Uh, thinking about the St. Louis Cardinals. They should be pretty good this year. Uh, but uh, let's talk Braves first, and then maybe in the 5 o'clock hour have a more expanding conversation on the rest of Major League Baseball. Uh, so the reigning, let me say that again, the reigning World Series champion, Atlanta Braves, they'll take on the Cincinnati Reds tonight, 7 o'clock, Truist Park. Uh, by the way, I will say, blessing in disguise that the season did not start when it was supposed to because the reigning world champions would have been opening on the road, which I don't really like for that to happen in any sport. I know baseball, they make the schedule in the summer. They have no way of knowing who will win. It's not necessarily their fault, but uh, I still believe the reigning world champions should always open at home. So the Braves do get to open at home because of the suspended start to the season. They'll take on the Reds tonight. Uh, Brooks, there's a lot of roster changes to go through, but before we get into the nitty-gritty of the roster and what we can expect and all that good stuff, just talk about the feeling that, once again, for the third time, reigning World Series champion Atlanta Braves playing the game of baseball. It will count tonight. Just think about that for a moment. Uh, I did I did earlier, and I it's already, already just nervous and frustrated and <laughs> I love baseball. I I would say relatively late to the game, I would say. Eighth grade is when I started to get into it. But then I when I – you know, they, they say when – some people say, well, I've never been in love, but when I finally found love, I fell hard. That's what happened to me is <laughs> I didn't take up, you know, watching baseball until I was about in eighth grade, but I fell really hard. I immediately, after getting into it, bought – you may can still do it. MLB.tv audio did not buy the full, like we can watch every game, but I bought where you could listen to every game. And so I listened to every Braves game. I go into uh, our family office and turn on the computer and uh, pull up the game. And I pull up the audio and then pull up the MLB game day where you could see, you know, it's got like every pitch comes in record, like it shows it where it is. It's got the backdrop of the stadium behind it. So I'd watch every pitch come in on that and listen to the game on the Braves radio network with that. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's incredibly nervous. I've always ex explained it, uh, that I like night games a little bit more because I'm such a big Braves fan that if, uh, the rest of my day is how I'm feeling is judged on how the Braves do. So if the Braves lose rest of my day is just ruined. And so I'm glad there's night games so I could just go to bed sh very shortly after the Braves, if the Braves lose a game. Um, but on the other side of that, I'm only, I'm only jubilant for a couple hours before going to bet on a night game. Uh, but it's just, it's, it's going to be weird. I think it's, it's going to be the same weird that you walk you watched opening day, uh, and Chipper Jones was not there, uh, a few years ago, a few years back, 2012 or 2013 season, first year without Chipper, um, I think when you watch the Braves run out on the field and Freddie Freeman is not that starting first baseman for the Atlanta Braves, it's going to feel really weird. And it's just, I, I don't, I'm not going to know how I'm going to feel until we get to seven o'clock tonight and they do trot out on the field and you don't see Freddie Freeman out there in Braves uniform and you've got to wait and, you know, wait to see Freddie when the, when the Dodgers come to town and then you cry a little bit more after you, uh, after the news, but it's it's just going to be, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about this Braves team because I think they still have got the 
the power to go in and make a deep run in the postseason and potentially defend their title. But there's several new pieces that you just don't know about. And they're, they're good pieces, but you just don't know how they're going to fit into this lineup um, that I'm really going to be interested to see. I want to go back to something you said a moment ago about uh, your day can be heavily influenced by uh, the Braves results. Yes. You do realize that means 162 days a year you are influenced by the Atlanta Braves at the minimum. Yeah. Yep. That's a lot of days. Well, I mean, football does it to me too, so uh, it's it it hurts a little it hurts a lot, but like, you know, it's the summer. I got to I got to feel something. Right. There there's a distinct lack of of a lot of things uh in the summertime. And uh obviously with what uh what the Braves what what Major League Baseball has they're really the only show in town most days throughout throughout the summer because there's still weekend stuff. There's sports that are not as nationally popular. There's always going to be golf tournaments in the summer. There's always going to be uh, some pretty big tennis events. There's going to be a lot of NASCAR, and uh, definitely enjoy varying degrees of all those. But uh, per capita, not as many people um, huge fans of those sports. So you definitely. Throughout the summer, you baseball certainly on the weekdays. That's what you have, and so that's the most common thing. All right, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally toll free one triple eight nine Tiger nine. Matt from Tallahassee. Matt joins us. Matt, how are you doing? Fine, how are you guys? Doing all right. So who am I talking to? Ryan and Brooks today. What's up, Brooks? What's up, Ryan? What's up, Matt? Hey, uh, I didn't see you did. Did Auburn play UAB in baseball? Or did that game get canceled? That game did happen. That was Tuesday night. Auburn defeated UAB in Birmingham six to four. I can't find it on like on the on on the schedule on the baseball. Oh, I'm and not I sure was... why that that game definitely did happen. We had it on our sister station FM Talk ninety three point nine. Where's, where's JJ at? JJ is in Fayetteville, Arkansas. He's going to be doing Auburn softball against Arkansas this weekend. It was $500. Wow, that's a, that's a lot for uh, having a team-sponsored activity. Yeah, because he's not there. Hey, I got gotcha. you. Uh, I'm not going to talk very long, but I was going to do some trivia too. But uh, what I want to ask you guys, what do you think about the uh, tournament Aubrey's going to play starting November the 15th? Yeah, the uh, Cancun Challenge. Yeah, that's a, it's a good opportunity for Auburn to – Go to another venue and, and have another neutral sign opportunity. Uh, the teams they'll be playing, though, are not very high caliber, so I would be very surprised if Auburn lost any of those games. It would kind of be a little bit of a red flag for the non-conference portion of the schedule. But, yeah, no, it's always a great opportunity to get to play in one of these uh, mid-season yeah. tournaments, and they've not been able to do that in the past for very often. I was reading Auburn on the cover, and like, it was saying that Auburn started off in football 3-1 and one out of loss a Penn State this year. So what do you guys think about the rest of the schedule? Yeah, I think the rest of the schedule is obviously going to be the million-dollar question. Obviously, that Penn State game, a return trip for Penn State after losing uh, or after beating Auburn last year. And, uh, you know, I think it's an uphill climb for Auburn. I think they're going to have a lot of games that they're not going to be favored in. Uh, but obviously, this far out, still finalizing the roster, still got to see what other teams are going to look like and, and their quarterback decisions and that sort of thing. So, Still really a good bit of ways before we can really get down to kind of figuring what, out what, what the record's going to be. What games will Auburn be favoring? I know they've been against Mercer, right? 
Yeah, they'll be favored in three of their four non-conference games. I, I don't think they'll be favored against Penn State. And then as far as the SEC is concerned, uh, you know, I think they'll be favored against Missouri. I think they'll get, be favored maybe against Mississippi State, although it is going to be a road game. Uh, there'll be one or two others that they might be favored in. It'll just come down to what the teams are looking like at that time. Yeah, Alabama going undefeated this year, but I don't think so. They have Alabama going undefeated. Yeah, they're usually they're usually a lock for either one or zero losses. So there's usually not a, a array of a uh, array of difference in what they do. Alabama's not going undefeated. I tell you that. Trust me. They're like they'll play LSU. LSU beat Auburn via SEC championship game with two or three losses. The second loss will be against Auburn. Auburn knocking out SEC championship and out of championship game. And I'm thinking for the SEC championship game, probably be Auburn Georgia. Uh, I want to get, get revenge on Georgia. I think a lot of teams would like to get revenge on Georgia after winning the, the championship last year, but uh, I wish I shared your optimism for, for what Auburn's going to do next year, but it's going to be very difficult. Hey, no, another thing is uh, I saw some uh, Auburn might get some players from Eastern Kentucky, some like uh, uh, one of the Green Juniors, one of his teammates. Uh, one, for the- one of Wendell Green Jr.'s teammates. I have not seen that, obviously, as you as you just alluded to, Wendell Green Jr. coming from Eastern Kentucky. Uh, I'm not sure if Auburn wants a, a load of Eastern Kentucky players, but uh, maybe they're targeting somebody that can help them shooting-wise. So what, so what do you guys think about the the player that we got from uh, LSU? The yeah, yeah Yoan Treo, uh, obviously decommitted from LSU, five-star 6'10", power forward slash center. Yeah, I think it's a great get for Auburn. I think they're going to be very pleased uh, with the abilities that he has. He's, as Tom Green said in an earlier segment, he's the uh, second highest recruit that Auburn has ever signed behind Jabari Smith. So I think there's going to be a lot of high expectations for Yoan Treo. Hey, Ryan, I got a question for Brooke. All right. All right. Hey, uh, Brooke, what do you think about the uh, quarterback from Georgia that might come visit Auburn? I think he's a four star or a five star. Yeah, I think it'd be a it'd be a good get to if you could be able to sign him. I don't know where you know I, I don't know which way he's necessarily leaning right now, but anytime you can get a four or five star quarterback on campus to uh, to visit you, that that's a really positive sign that they want to come and visit your your club. Hey, did you hear what uh, Ron Acuna Jr. said about Freddie Freeman? Yeah, I've been following that uh, all day long from ESPN and everything. He yeah, said he, he's not gonna miss Freddie. <laughs> yeah, that apparently some rifts going on there that uh, not a lot of people knew about between Ronald Acuna and Freddie. But, you know, it, it starts a new year, and we'll, I think the Braves are ready to get going here tonight. Well, hey, listen, I'm going to go do the cheer. I'll call you guys, I'll call you guys Monday. Um, but, hey, has my friend Sean or Matt for Auburn and Auburn called yet? Uh, we have not uh, gotten calls from Sean or Matt from Auburn. Have you guys heard guys from, like, War Down Seas? Uh, no, nah, nah, we did get a call from James, and I remembered to pass along the message that you told him War Eagle the other day, uh, but uh, no call from Wardam Steve today. Wardam Steve's fired. <laughs> All right, we will let him know next time we do get a call from him. He he owes us uh, he owes us $300. $300, okay. All right, steep fees these hey. days. Yeah, hey, uh, how's my, how's my uh, friend Devon Reed and uh, Cam – 
Yeah, Trevon's doing great. Uh, obviously, he's working with the Auburn football team, doing some recruiting, doing some operations, that sort of thing. Uh, he just had his second child, and uh, he's uh, living a great life right now. We're proud of him. Yeah, I need to get him back on the show so I can talk to him. We do need to do that. We will uh, We'll try and set something up this summer. Obviously, he's really busy with spring practice right now, but maybe this summer. Hey, hey when I come when I come to Auburn, I, it's going to still be me and Devon Reed against um, J.J. and Tom. I, and you guys. You guys can be referees too. Sure, I'll give you. I'll give you all the foul calls. No, you have to get all the foul calls on JJ. Oh, okay, I got you. So I'll shoot threes on JJ. Take JJ to the hole. <laughs> JJ, he's not gonna be able to guard me. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I like the confidence. Let's do the cheer here, Matt. Okay, five, four, four three, two, oh. oh, 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 oh. I want to do some trivia first. We don't have time to do trivia, Matt. We've only got another minute or so in this segment. Five, four, three, two, one. War Eagle. Hey, beat Bama. Bama. 48, 45, 63, 13. And Brooke. Yo. Booyah. 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 Bama, watch out. We're coming to your football field. And we're going to beat you really bad. We love it, Matt. We hope you have a great day, man. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, talk to you Monday. Tell JJ I said, hey. Will do. Said, we'll... hey, tell Tom. He's fired. I will tell them all that. Appreciate it, Matt. Right. That is Matt from Tallahassee joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Just another minute or so left in the segment here. Uh, but always appreciate the calls that time. And, uh, yeah, we were talking before the, uh, the, the break about, or I guess before the phone call, about uh, the Braves a little bit, and uh, we will uh, continue to talk about that and the rest of opening day here in just a few minutes on the other side of the hour. Uh, only, like I said, only have about a minute left, so don't want to go too deep into it. Do need to get another Masters update, though. We will go ahead and do that. Uh, as, again, Tiger Woods shot one under today, and the leaderboard not really moving. Brooks still at four under for Cameron Smith, Sung J.M., and Dustin Johnson. And so uh, Tiger still just three back. I, honestly, that's a pretty good position after one day if that's what it stands. Yeah, I mean, you you, you didn't know which Tiger you were going to get coming out there. Uh, you knew he was going to he was going to give it his all. You said earlier in the office, um, or either you said it or the broadcast said it. I can't remember who said it that if Tiger's coming out to play in this tournament, he's coming out to win it, and he's not. You know, he he wouldn't have played here if he didn't think he had a chance to contend um for for a title and that's what he's he's put himself in a good position uh at one under just would three back of the lead right now and you've got some big names up there right now uh that are that are in contention it's it is, like we said only one day one round so you still got chances to make things up but and he could still go south the other way we'd be very sad tomorrow that's yeah. also possible as well but for uh as you said earlier for golf ratings and for golf fandom uh you really hope that he makes the weekend and is able to uh to make it at least interesting, because I, I said it yesterday with Tom uh, when he was on the show. Can you imagine what it's going to be like Sunday if Tiger's in contention for the Masters after not playing, you know, in a since the wreck? It he, is just it keeps getting harder and harder for him because obviously he's not getting younger. Like by the way, people, on top of the fact that he had a, a life-threatening car accident about 14 months ago. He's 46. Like, he's not in the prime. No golfer's in their prime at age 46. Now, obviously, golf is different. 
and that you can play pretty effectively in your 40s and even early 50s. But 46 by no means is like, hey, I expect this guy to rattle off five or six majors in his late mid to late 40s. And absolutely not. So he keeps setting the bar higher and higher for how difficult his circumstances are. And yet he still hangs around, still competes. And obviously that 20, if, if that 2019 Masters is still his last major championship victory, that's still a hell of a way to end your major championship. So that's the end of our number two. On the other side, we will talk all about MLB's opening day, expectations for the Atlanta Braves, expectations throughout Major League Baseball. As you listen to the Thursday edition of Sports Call, we'll be back in a few minutes. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three of Sports Call on this beautiful Thursday afternoon and Glad to have a beautiful day outside after the weather events of the last couple days. Had to postpone a lot of activities, a lot of high school sports, some Auburn University stuff, like the Auburn uh, softball game that was supposed to happen Wednesday night against Georgia State. So glad to have a nice, beautiful day and a little bit of a cold front as we're going to be in the low mid 60s all weekend. I'm first alert <laughs> meteorologist, right? <laughs> I am not a meteorologist, um, not at all, but uh, I can read the uh, weather predictions. So. Uh, it's going to be a little bit cooler for A-Day on Saturday, so keep that in mind, but uh, we'll be very sunny and very beautiful. Uh, speaking of very beautiful, Major League Baseball is back. First game completed. We alluded to this in the previous hour, but uh, congratulations to the Chicago Cubs. Uh, as Brooks said, they're on pace for 162-0. The Brewers 0-162. It's Cubs Tough time for winners. So, so uh, I'm sure we will not overreact at all about any results this weekend. But uh, the Braves getting in action against the Cincinnati Reds tonight, 7 o'clock, Truist Park, ESPN2. But, of course, you can listen to it on our sister station, 1230 WAUD. The Braves and the Reds for four games getting to open up at home, which is so great for the Braves and great for any team that uh, wins the championship. You should be able to open up at home. But let's start deep diving into the roster a little bit with some notable moves. Freddie Freeman is no longer a Brave. You may have heard that. Uh, as I swear he has gotten more coverage the last two to three weeks than he got in a two to three year stretch uh, in Atlanta most of the time with uh, with the Dodgers. And, of course, that is uh, the, the media and how they talk about the Dodgers. And uh, shout out to Dave Roberts for saying they will win the World Series this year. I will keep the receipts on that. But <laughs> Uh, so Freeman gone, Matt Olson in. We've talked about the credentials of Matt Olson. He's quite good. He also hits from the left-handed side. He's from the state of Georgia, and uh, he's going to fit in well, we think, with Atlanta. But some of the other transactions this offseason, no more Jock Peterson, so no Jock Tober 
if the Braves were to go to postseason this year. No Jorge Soler, as our last image of Soler in a Brave uniform is hitting a baseball that I heard just now landed outside of the Houston metropolitan area. And so he's out. You bring back Eddie Rosario. Adam Duvall returns. There's a guy by the name of Ronald Acuna Jr. who will return from injury within the next month or so. So there's a lot of movement here. Alex Dickerson's in. You say, who's Alex Dickerson? Yes, he's not maybe on the same scale as those other guys, but hit double-digit home runs and only about 280 at-bats for the Giants last year in a big ballpark. He's going to be in the opening day roster tonight or the opening day starting lineup tonight. And then there's some other moves, some bench moves as well. But bullpen-wise as well, Kenley Jansen will now get talked about a lot less in the national media because he's a Brave now, not a Dodger. He's going to be the closer of the Braves, bumping Will Smith from that uh, stat or, or, excuse me, from that role. Luke Jackson obviously had a career year last year, a sub-two ERA for the Braves and around 70 innings of work. He might have to have Tommy John surgery, has the dreaded UCL injury. They're trying to determine how damaged the UCL is. If uh, I almost said the UCLA is. UCLA is quite damaged in football right now. Uh, but uh, if the UCL is too damaged, if it's torn, then Luke Jackson will need Tommy John. He will not be able to pitch for the Braves this year. But they also add uh, Tyler Thornburg into the bullpen. Uh, as I mentioned, Jansen will be the new closer. And, of course, you've got that trio of lefties now, and none of them are closers. A.J. Minter, Will Smith, Tyler Matzik. And I think this bullpen sets up quite good. So I think that's the summary of everybody, Brooks. So after that long-winded explanation of all the main transactions the Braves went through, what are your thoughts on their offseason before we really pound out the nuts and bolts of what we think will happen this year? Did, how did Alex Anthopoulos handle the franchise player leaving the city of Atlanta for L.A.? Uh, I think you could you handle it just about as well as he could have. I think the besides re-signing the player I think the the best way you could have handled it was to get Freddie back into Atlanta and keep him in a Braves uniform for a long long time and possibly for the rest of his career but uh I think that outside of that I think you know you could have there there could have been several different ways uh you could have gone about things and I think that he did uh did one of the better ways you you went out and you got yourself a very capable first baseman a guy that uh, has been really, really good in his career so far, Matt Olson, and you basically locked him up for his the rest of his career. You signed him to what an eight year deal uh, after getting him to to Atlanta, and so he's already in his late twenties, and so he's it's basically going to run him through the rest of his career. He may rest of his prime at the is, minimum. Yeah. It, yeah, the rest of his prime. He may spend a couple of years somewhere else, or you may have to re, you may resign him again, but you're not going to run into the same uh, situation where you had. Uh, like you have with Freddie anytime soon at first base. Um, and now you could focus on some of your other guys. You can focus on Austin Riley. You can focus on Dansby Swanson. Uh, you could focus on Luke Jackson. And you could focus on Max Free, guys that are going, going to arbitration this year. Uh, and over the next couple months, you'll hear their name a lot when, when it comes to arbitration. But I, I think he handled it well. I think the, there's a lot of names from that, that uh, World Series roster that I think a lot of Braves fans would have liked to, come, to see come back. But it, you know, it's it's never just like it's never that way. You don't, don't you don't always bring everybody back. There's there's very few occasions where you are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you win a Super Bowl and everybody comes back the next year. There, cause there's a lot of people that you win a you win a championship and now you 
expect to get paid and right. you can't especially a club the size of Atlanta that's not a you know they're not a big market club like the Dodgers or the Yankees or someone like that that can afford to spend millions and millions of dollars to re-sign you know folks and sign the biggest names but they did I think Alex Anthropoulos did what he could he brought back uh Eddie Rosario uh got Matt Olson in the deal able to get Ozuna back uh he was it, he wasn't in danger of leaving it was just the the legal actions last he was year in that, danger of being forced to leave yeah it, 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 you got him back which I think you know playing hopefully when he gets to be DH it can it, it'll help him out his hitting out a little bit he's starting in left field tonight uh for the Braves so he he was back in the field for the Braves tonight and then um, I think the one of the biggest downsides, though, is you gave up one of your top catching prospects. And so when Darno and uh, Pena get a little bit uh, here a couple years down the road, you may run into that may be a, a, a something you have to focus on the back end is finding a new catcher here in a couple years. But right after, you know, right after we saw the trade go down with, for Matt Olson and uh, everyone was talking about how uh, maybe what is I just blanked on his name. What is their catch pros- catching prospect they just traded? Shaylene. Shingleers. Um, they right after he uh, Langoliers was traded, uh, I, there was several things that came out from some of the Atlanta area uh, beat guys that are more in the know. Said, well, maybe he wasn't. It seems like he wasn't held in as high regard as they thought. Uh, so who knows what could have actually happened when you get uh, when you got Langoliers up into AAA and then getting him some spot starts in the major leagues. So I I'm fine with how Anthropolis handled things. I think he did the best job that he could. I would have liked to see you know maybe bring in another bat uh, into the lineup, but I, I think that right now you go going forward. Obviously, as you go toward the trade deadline, I think there's probably going to be some you know you're going to feel out how everything goes and you may make a move or two going you know in the middle of the year, but. I think right now this is a decent roster that Anthropolis has put together for this season. Yeah, that was the only problematic part of, of the replacement of Freddie Freeman is that it wasn't a clean Freddie Freeman for Matt Olson swap, which, you know, the only way you would have gotten value for Freddie Freeman is if you, well, traded him. And, of course, you're not going to do that when you're as competitive as Atlanta has been the last few years. So there was never really going to be a situation where you could get almost a, 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 a tick-for-tack uh true swap there so when they got Olsen as you mentioned the two biggest project prospects excuse me are Christian Pache and Shane Langliers Pache didn't bother me because not that I don't think he's ever going to figure it out the plate he's obviously a good defender he got off to a really bad start at the plate I'm not giving up on a kid after one year but there's also real depth in the outfield, in the farm system. Drew Waters is very well regarded. Michael Harris has really come on. He's in the lower tiers of the minor league. I think he's going to start in double A this year. You got a couple there, and you also know your franchise player, your new franchise player, is an outfielder. His name is Ronald Cunha Jr., and he's still quite young. I mean, he's mid-20s, so he's about as young as, as any of the starters. The thing that bothered me about Langoliers was, A, he was so well regarded, in the, in the Braves' farm system. But B, if you look at the starting lineup for Atlanta, the tied-for-oldest position player, everyday player, that will start every day is Travis Darno. He is 33. Adam Duvall is also 33. So you know that that timer is real on how much longer that catching situation is going to stay the same. Your backup now, 
who they signed before the lockout was Manny Pena from the Brewers. Decent power hitter, but again, a backup. He's also 34. So William Contreras is now got to be your answer in the organization. If it's going to come from what you have currently constructed in your minor leagues, it's William Contreras. Now, interestingly enough, the Braves decided on their 28-man opening day roster to carry three catchers. William Contreras is, is the third catcher. He is not going to be at Gwinnett. He will be with Braves. I'm a little surprised by this because in this situation now where the National League plays like the American League and you have a DH, there's less pinch hitting opportunities. Therefore, there's less reasons you think you would need an emergency third catcher because there's just not going to be many times where you pinch hit anymore. You were guaranteed if the pitcher spot came up beyond the fifth or sixth inning, you're guaranteed that guy is being pinch hit for. So you're guaranteed a couple pinch hit at-bats a night. Now you're not guaranteed any. If your hitters, if your lineup is doing the job, and the Braves, when you look at their starting lineup, there's really not any situations where you'd want pinch hitters, I don't think. I think you could maybe have a defensive replacement like Heredia play for Ozuna as a defensive replacement late, but there's really no one in there you can say, yeah, I don't like him much as a hitter. He's in there for his glove. This is a very offensive-minded lineup, and so I don't – really see a situation where Contreras is getting in the game as a sub or a situation where you know you, you feel like he needs to come in because you're already going to be splitting at mass between Darno and Pena are you going to split catching duties three ways I've never really seen that so a little interested that he made the roster but nevertheless he will be uh, maybe the future at catcher for Atlanta or at least they're going to bank on that what do you feel in regards to uh, the dynamic of Ozuna starting in left field. Because I know that the plan is Acuna will play the outfield maybe late May. But we can't forget that Marcel Ozuna has really fallen off a, a huge cliff in left field. Like, what's it? What kind of numbers do you think he needs to put up offensively for it to be worth it? Because, like I said, he does not run well. His arm in the last couple of years has become jello and he did not hit well before he was taken out of things last year so what kind of numbers we need to see at the plate to justify yeah he's going to be in left field every day um i i honestly i don't know if that you know going forward after uh acuna comes back i don't know if that's going to ever be a plan for him I right think that he'll the, probably move the dh then but i, I just I don't know because it, it's who who else is out there that you could put out in left field right now uh, or put in the outfield in place of Ozuna. Yeah, so we're we're gonna assume that Duvall and Rosario always start. Yeah. So uh, your options at that point would be uh, Guillermo Heredia, who's a pretty good defender but mm-hmm. not a great bat. Yeah. And then Alex Dickerson, who is DHing tonight and has never really been a primary starter. Hit double-digit homers last year, like I said, just under 300 at-bats. So it kind of remains to be seen what he would do in a large sample size throughout a season. But, uh, yeah, Dickerson, I don't, I don't know how he feels. I know he's got some power. I don't know how he feels. So, you know, right now, I I just – I don't know. I think what you, you need to do – I think what you want to do right now to start out the year is Ozuna, I think, out of those guys – is the more is very reliable with his bat that what he can do and 
until Acuna gets back, as we said a moment ago, uh, he's he's going to be the placeholder until you can start move that outfield around after Acuna gets back and reposition guys. But man, I don't know. I it's I think it's just going to be. I don't think there's going to be a. If I had to look at it right now, I don't think there is a need for Ozuna to be the everyday left fielder. I think that it depends on. I think it really depends on who you're pitching that day. I think uh, you know. Right now, I'm looking at the lineup. Right now, Ozuna is the is tied with Albies for most career at bats uh, versus Tyler Mayo. Is it Mayo? Mayo? Yeah. Uh, as for the most career at bats versus Tyler Mayo. So I feel like you wanted to. You needed Ozuna out there for his bat tonight because he's got the most experience versus male. But also, like you said, don't know if Dickerson's ready to play the field. Yeah, that, that, that's that's what I don't – I don't just don't have a feel for, and I guess we'll learn. Uh, admittedly, just did not see a lot of him in San Francisco. Uh, obviously, he had to play the field when he did play because he was a giant. We know the National League operated with no DH last year, as it always had. And he got nearly 300 at bats. So obviously those were not all yeah. pinch hit appearances. But I just have no idea because I I would have thought Dickerson would play left, and then Azuna would DH. And so I I just wonder. I guess this question is more pertinent when Acuna comes back. Yeah. Because when he comes back, surely it's going to be Acuna, Duvall, Rosario in the outfield. But then it's Dickerson versus Azuna for DH. So I guess my question maybe isn't the best because it's kind of more mute on the field aspect of it. It's just it's a temporary thing. But I guess it's I guess to watch watch out for in the next month is who performs better at the plate between yeah. Ozuna and Dickerson. Yeah, I think that that that's going to give you a lot to to work with when you go into especially when Acuña gets back into this lineup for the Braves and who's going to be a, you know DHing. I think once you get into once you get back to Acuña if Dickerson is, you know, if you if you've worked it way well, where you think that he's going to be a solid uh, guy to put in the outfield, or you give because you're not going to, I don't think that even when Acuna gets back, you don't go 100 percent with them. I think you're going to give him at least, you know, a couple days, maybe a couple days off a week. Maybe you give him one day off a series if you're not going for the win. If you win the first two of a series and you're going for the sweep, maybe you take Acuna out of the lineup for a day. Um, I think whoever one of the two guys. Ozuna or Dickerson, as you said, Ryan, is going to be the primary DH once we get down into the season a little bit. I think whoever performs the best, though, I think's got a chance to be able to, uh, and, and fielding-wise, I think it's got a chance to also be the guy, the utility guy that if you have to give Acuna a day off, he's going to step up and go into the outfield. I think you've got to, just the fact that, also the fact that Ozuna has not played he played in spring training, but he, he had some quite a bit of time off last year. I think early in the season, at least, you want to get him some reps out there to get him back into the flow of things, too. Right, because I'm, we're also – I'm doing this thing that I, I always do that I assume perfect health and everyone's going to play 160 and nothing's going to happen. But Eddie Rosario was hurt the first half of last year. That's why the Braves got him in a very reasonable deal at the trade deadline. You know, Adam Duvall, you never know. I mean, you just never yeah. know. No, you never know. And so you might have Travis Darno was out for a while, a good long while with just one, one little piglet being uh, injured. <laughs> uh, one, I was it pinky or thumb. I don't know which one it was, but I think he fractured one and fractures are not fun. And uh, therefore he was out 
a long time. We're going to go ahead and take our first break of the final hour of the program. When we come back, more on the Braves, but also a look at Major League Baseball as a whole. Some previewing some teams that we think will make a lot of noise this year. We'll try not and slurp the Dodgers for too long. Not on this program. That's for the national media. But uh, some Major League Baseball talk at large next. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Sammy Coates, former Auburn football player and all-SEC wide receiver, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday afternoon. This Masters Thursday. This opening day Thursday. This Brooks drinking a Coke Zero Sugar Thursday. That's right. It's a beautiful Thursday. Guess what? What? Dustin Johnson is charging up the leaderboard right now. Is the lead now more than four under? The lead is now at four under. Oh, it's still at four under. No. Uh, well, the last one I checked was at five under. Oh, Sung JM. I'm seeing that right yeah. now. So he just bogeyed. Yeah. All right. So four under it is. But, uh, yeah, it's a log jam there. Will Zalatoris, yet last year's runner-up, is charging up the leaderboard, too, tied for fourth. We're seeing more normal scoring. This is more normal. We saw an exorbitant amount of scoring in 2022. Or, excuse me, 2020 because of the November Masters and just – it never usually plays like that. But uh, Tiger's still hanging in there and tied for 10th. His round has long since been done, but just pointing out that he's been tied for 10th for maybe an hour now. No one has uh, really significantly leapfrogged that. Easy for me to say. Um, and we already had one withdrawal. Paul Casey, is, uh, his Masters is done. I'm not seeing a lot of shockers that are really bad. Uh that are surprisingly bad this week. I do see Bryson DeChambeau down at four over oh, yeah. on the round, which is my favorite thing because he said <laughs> Justin not Thomas long is also there too. Oh, Justin Thomas also four and over. And Louis Eustazen. I'm I must have missed Justin Thomas. Um but uh Mr. I, I look at Augusta as a par sixty seven. Well if that's the case then uh your boy shot nine over today if we were <laughs> going that so good thing for wow. uh DeChambeau that it's not um, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's shaping out to be pretty good. The scores are very competitive. So just being at four under, look, even guys at even, Brooks Kepka's at even, Sergio yes. Garcia, Bubba Watson. Yeah, I was going to say, Bubba's uh, recovered. He didn't have the best of starts. He's recovered nicely mm-hmm. to get to even. The, uh, the champion last year, Hideki Matsuyama, even par. So even those guys at even, absolutely. Just, just four strokes in round one. That can easily be made up. So, Having a fun time. Great to see Eldrick Tigerwood shoot one under today, and uh, we'll be talking about that tomorrow as well. want to continue on and conclude Major League Baseball talk here. Let's look at Major League Baseball as a whole on expectations throughout the season. We know the Dodgers are going to be really good. 
They have every player. They had all the monies. They've got what they want. They even got Craig Kimbrell. They've got a great team. Um, who's their biggest challenger in the NL aside from the Braves? Uh, that would be the question I would ask because I would be very surprised if Atlanta was not involved in the, in the postseason. We know that the Metropolitans spent an arm and a leg uh, this offseason. However, <laughs> they need more arms and legs, healthy arms and legs, because they continue to be ravished with pitching injuries, as they've been seemingly for the last half a decade. DeGrom's out for a while, and now Max Scherzer has a hamstring pull, and he could be out a little bit. And you look at what else they have. Uh, obviously, we know Pete Alonso uh, is a great power hitter. Francisco Lindor they're paying a ton of money to. they they got Starling Marte now, who's a quality outfielder. Apparently, this is news to me. This might be not be news to you. Robinson Cano's not dead. He's I, still playing. I thought he had retired. I could have swore anything that he All right, then. retired. But he is listed on their active roster at the age of 39. So, apparently he's not done. Apparently he just didn't play last year. I don't know. But I, I'm promising you right now I see him on the active roster. So, anyway... Um, the Mets spent a lot of money. They have a, a few high-salaried players. The Phillies spent some money this offseason. NL Central, we know the Brewers went to playoffs last year. They, in theory, should still be pretty good. The Cardinals could be interesting this year in pool holes and, and Yadier Molina's last dance. Um, NL West, the Giants had a great team last year in the regular season, actually beat the Dodgers, won that division. Um, the Padres continue to have talent on their roster. So who do you like of that group, or someone else I didn't name, but who, but who do you like to be the other threat? Because surely we won't have three straight NLCSs with Braves-Dodgers, right? Well, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I think right now the there are three teams in the NL that are, I would think, could give the Dodgers a run for their money this year. I think the Dodgers are overall, you know, the odds-on favorite to win the National League. A lot of probably people have them as the odds-on favorite to win the win the World Series this year. I know, like you said, the Dodgers themselves have themselves as the favorites to win the World Series. Uh, I think the Braves are the are the biggest challenge because they they did it last year. They won the World Series last year. They beat the Dodgers last year, and they are, you know, they lost. Like we've been talking about, they lost a few things, a few pieces, but I think they've retooled nicely and are ready to uh, to try for a title defense this year. The other two teams is the the Brewers. I really, really, you know, you like the Brewers. So you know, you look at how they're 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 stacking up uh, in this. I think that the the Brew Crew they they made a, a lot of noise last year in the Central. I really, really, really like their lineup. Uh, I think their pitching is uh, also a really good, good, um, good spot right now for the Brewers. And then the only other National League team that I think has a real possibility to beat the Dodgers, I think, is the team that beat them last year in their own division, the Giants. I think if the Giants do what they did last year, um, I think that they are set for a really, really big year again this year that they can give the, the Dodgers a run. I think the Dodgers could fall. They, they could be a victim of falling, you know, getting really, really hyped up and then falling flat on their face. I don't think they will because we've seen them be really, really hyped up in the past few years and they've uh, at least made a championship series going down the stretch. But I think right now the Braves, the Brewers, and the Giants are the three teams in the National League that I give a real shot to beat the Dodgers this year. In the Metropolitan's lineup, 
tonight. By the way, who's managing the Mets now? Do you remember that? I do not. Because I forgot this. Four bucks Showalters, New oh York Metropolitans. There's wild things happening in Queens. Batting sixth at second base, Robinson Cano, don't you know? I just didn't. I obviously I kept track of of the big pitching because you, yeah. anytime you get Scherzer over there, that's a big deal. Obviously, Degrom's been great for years. We know they're paying Lindor all the money. They even acquired Eduardo Escobar, who is a thirty home run candidate. I just did not remember that Walter was it wild. I I'm just I'm floored. So the Mets are trying to win very badly this year. They really want to accomplish it, but we'll see if. For like the I don't know the tenth sixth year in a row they I know they went to World Series pretty recently but for like the fifth or sixth year in a row if they're uh, viciously disappointed three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line we got a call from Michael from Auburn Michael joins us Michael how are you doing doing good guys uh, have y'all touched base at all about the whole Albert Pujols uh, situation with his wife uh, we have not okay. Uh, his wife had brain surgery, uh, had a brain tumor, and uh, a week later he filed for divorce. Interesting. So, like, I did not know that. I, I, yeah, it, and he, he was like, it had nothing to do with, with one thing didn't have to do with the other. And I'm like, yeah, you could have picked a better timing to, to kind of handle that. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that uh, plays out for the Cardinals this year. Yeah, I know that uh, obviously benefiting from the fact that they have a DH, talking about the baseball side of things, uh, I don't know if Pujols would be back with the Cardinals if they didn't have the DH spot. Because, I mean, all you would be talking about is maybe a pinch hitter. I mean, I guess that would still be a home for him since it was his home for a long time. But uh, the DH certainly helping the ability to bring him back. Did Kershaw re-sign with the Dodgers, or has he moved on? He did. It was just a one-year deal, but it's a hefty $20, 25000000 million, something like that, but just one year, yes. Okay. I'll just be interesting on how, how all that plays out. But, uh, yeah, I just uh, I heard y'all mention Pujols, and I was like, yeah, it was like uh, an interesting story that I, I read on that this week, so I was just going to share that. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of rough. Yeah, I had literally no idea about that. And that uh, regardless of what actually happened, it's not a good look. No, no, you're right. All right, guys, uh, have a good night, and uh, we'll see how everything plays out for 8-8 this week. Sounds good. Appreciate the phone call, Michael. That is Michael from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. And, yeah, we've uh, we talked some A-Day a little bit earlier as well, uh, obviously getting excited for that. 1 o'clock Saturday inside Jordan-Hare Stadium, a tradition unlike any other that it is synced up with the Masters and decisions have to be made, especially if Tiger Woods is still in the competition on Saturday. But, uh, but again, you know, such great opportunity for everybody. We talk about how it's really not that important in the scheme of things as far as getting the roster together or, or getting uh, making decisions with it. But certainly is great for the fans and important for the fans to be able to get a look at the team and, Brooks, like we said earlier in the show, you're going out there, and so uh, you'll get to share that with uh, with your fiance, and that'll be fun. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting uh, time. I wanted to look this up because I had no idea. Uh, I'm on went to uh, TMZ.com and did not know what the uh, what this was about with the Albert Pujols thing. Uh, yeah, they him and his wife are splitting from after 22 years after from quote irreconcilable differences. Wow. Is what what it is. The update that they put on this article, uh, as of yesterday or two days ago, 
uh, is obtained the divorce documents show the couple officially broke things off back in February. So they officially got uh, put the divorce documents in in February. And Pujols acknowledged the timing of the news considering his wife had brain surgery to have a tumor removed last week is not ideal. But the split was, quote, something that just happened that something that just happened overnight. So it was some oh, it was not something that happened. The, overnight. the split wasn't, quote, something that just happened okay. overnight. So th- I, it's not I yeah, guess it's still not looking you know, pretty, not looking nope. not pretty, but nope. at least it maybe a little bit better that it was yeah. like back in February. Yeah. But yeah. still, you know, it if you knew in February, if you just had that surgery this week, you I, I think you probably knew about the surgery coming up, so it's still not a great Seems look. Seems like something you would share between spouse, yeah, but I don't know. Not a great look. All right, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line one more time. Ed from Auburn. Ed joins us. Ed, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, guys. It's a beautiful day. How are y'all doing? It is a very beautiful day, and uh, we're doing great. Uh, I, I'm just going to uh, call, and I, I'm going to... Uh, since I'm driving, I'm going to try to just ask you a couple of questions and then hang up and, and listen. But I mean, well, one thing's more of a kind of an opinion, but I think like with Treyor coming in and, and if Auburn can get a good three-point shooter, you know, I, that's what we've been missing, you know. And, uh, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, yeah, and, and hopefully, hopefully, Flanagan will get a touch back, but it, you know. But uh, the, the other thing, real quick, and I, because I'm in traffic there, and uh, the other thing, do you think Albany, as far as anybody else that could come? I know we need a wide receiver. We need, you know, if you could tell me if you think that they're close to getting anybody that could help this year or next year uh, on. You know, anything left in the portal? Sure. And I'm very, I'm very glad that they gave Sean Jackson uh, a scholarship because I think he's a tough young guy. He did very good last year, and I think yards per carry. There's not much difference between Jarquez. Uh, I know everybody's saying tank, 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 but I, I, in my honest opinion, tank can't show me no more than Jarquez has, but. Uh, you know, that's for coaches. But anyway, worry with guys, and I'm going to hang up. Appreciate that phone call. That is Ed from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We'll touch on those real quickly before we hit on our last break of the show. But, uh, yeah, no, I think uh, going back to what he said about uh, Treo, big-time prospect for sure. And I agree that there needs to be a lot better shooting uh, this season. That's something that Bruce Pearl admitted uh, yesterday in the press conference. He, I can't share the word that he said, but uh, – he did not think very highly of the way, way they shot the ball down the stretch. I think we can all see that. And we all know that it's very important for Bruce Pearl teams to shoot the ball well because he instills great confidence in his teams to shoot the basketball from three, no matter if they're really good shots or not. I mean, like that. I feel like we've talked about that multiple years with the basketball team. I don't know how good the quality of threes they are that are actually being taken. So he, but that's a confidence thing, and Bruce has always believed his players shoot three. So I, you need some guys that are going to be very confident, but you also need some guys that are actually going to make a, a really good percentage. And unfortunately for Auburn, it didn't have enough of those guys this year compared to years past. As far as what Auburn football is trying to do in the transfer portal, I, I see nothing imminent. Uh, I don't see any of the guys on the beat really talking about many uh, players that they 
feel are close unless yeah. you have something I'm going to say the last one that I, 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 was, I went straight to a deep dive here. The last transfer wide receiver that I saw that Auburn made and run at was the kid from Arkansas State, Corey Rucker. Uh, he declared he was transfer declared he was transferring about a month ago and Auburn uh, I think got him in and made him an offer right now 247 sports is saying he's a South Carolina commit so apparently he's made his decision he's going to go to South Carolina but I've got a a, a list here that I found from a uh, Auburn wire of some players that they say Auburn should target but there's nobody that's Auburn is right. quote targeting right now. Right. So there's like you said, there's no one that's been on the horizon right now. Yeah. So and I think when you look at the needs of the team, I think you're still looking at it'd be great to acquire someone up front. But again, you know, I, I would I would say you know I, I made a statement earlier in the show, maybe not as accurate a statement as I want to make. We we say we're still evaluating the rosters and everything and looking to see if there's any more roster movement. At this point, the, the chances of you getting someone that becomes high impact is very low, I feel, at this point. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of high impact guys. Now, there's some depth guys. There's some guys that can contribute. But if you're looking for your top offensive lineman, you're looking for one of your two best cover corners, you're looking for your second best receiver, I'm not sure those kind of things are out there anymore. So I, I, I should be a little bit more clear that – Yes, you can still add valuable depth and produ productivity, but you're not going to add your key players at this point. And, and Auburn does not appear to be on the on the horizon of anyone uh, of that regard. And for you know for Ed listening to us, and for any other you know any of the Auburn fans out there concerned about you know concerned with that statement that uh, all, there's no one on the horizon that Auburn is looking at right now, be patient. Because we are just now getting to the end of spring ball for everybody. Everyone's kind of getting to the end of spring ball. Here in the next month, you're going to see that transfer portal start lighting up again with guys that after you go through transfer or go through spring ball, they say, oh, I'm not going to get as much playing time as I thought I was. And they're going to hit that transfer portal going into the summer. Now, like you said, Ryan, they're not going to be guys that you're going to bring in and it's a, you know, oh my gosh, it's a five-star wide receiver that's just going to lead us in, in receiving yards and going to have 13 touchdown catches on the year. It's going to be depth guys that are going to help this uh, roster. But when you're the, the good thing about the portal is when you can go in and you can get these depth guys that can add, add, like, add depth to your wide receiver room that's not very deep right now that you have questions about. And so that you're not going to get the high-impact guys like you said, Ryan, but you're going to get guys that adds to the room and is going to help. And a lot of times it's guys that have been on college rosters before that can come in and add a little bit of experience to the room too. And, uh, and we expect, I mean, you alluded to the player that just committed to South Carolina these things are going to move pretty quickly, too. Oh, yeah. So they're going to be there for a second, and they're going to be gone. So uh, odds are if Auburn adds anybody, they're not currently even in the portal. Uh, it could be a, a spring casualty uh, after spring ball concludes. Going to take our last break of the show when we come back. The nightly TV guide brought to you by Coca-Cola. Might look at that master scoreboard one last time. Just a couple minutes left in the program. Join us for that next. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, 
Play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger segment of the Thursday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress today, just two-man crew, but we've had a lot of fun as we've chatted about just about everything. I mean, we've uh, we've had Tom Green on of AL.com. He discussed some Auburn basketball, some Auburn football with A-Day coming up on Saturday. We discussed the Masters, the Atlanta Braves, Major League Baseball, Albert Pujols was not a good husband, anything and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not necessarily Yikes. saying that. I don't know that for a fact, but Michael did bring some very uh, revealing knowledge to us. And, uh, yeah, it's been a fun show today, Brooks. Yeah. Didn't know I was going to quote TMZ on the show today, but here we are. No one ever expects <laughs> to quote TMZ, and you might need a bath after doing so. But uh, every now and then, like Wikipedia, it is necessary to do so. I'll be cleansed with the Braves baseball tonight. There you go. Uh, one final Masters scoreboard update for the Nightly TV Guide. Sung J.M. back up to five under. He's five. Uh, time out, time out, time out. No, time. Time out. Yep. You can't do a Masters scoreboard update. Uh, you gotta, we, we've, you got to set the mood, Ryan. I know. I'm sorry. Just give me like five seconds. I'll start talking. you got to set the mood. Minute. You can't do a Masters scoreboard. I, I, I realize that we did it earlier without doing this, but you gotta, it, it, you got to set the mood. One last time for a Thursday, day one, the Masters. All right, friends. The leader <laughs> on the playing the 18th fairway, Sung J.M. at 5-under par. Cameron Smith is in the clubhouse at 4-under. And Dustin Johnson also at 4-under. Tiger Woods shot 1-under par 71 today. Three birdies, two bogeys for the five-time Masters champ. There are no Auburn Tigers in the field this year. That is sad. There's six Georgia Bulldogs in the field this year. I saw. Is it Saturday that there's six of those or zero Auburn <laughs> players? And is that an inappropriate question? I don't know. Yeah. Depends on who you're talking to. At the Masters. <laughs> we, will, we will definitely play that music tomorrow as well. But uh, for today's show, down to just about a minute left. And so you know what time it is now. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. All right, Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide brought to you by Coca-Cola, which Brooks Childress is sipping. That's right. I was about to say, as I enjoy Coke Zero Sugar, I'll tell you what's on tonight. Plenty of sports on, so we'll only give you one movie. 7 o'clock on TMC. It's Lee Daniels, The Butler. I don't know if anyone's ever seen uh, seen that. It was uh, certainly know of it, but have not seen it. Oscar movie a couple years ago, uh, really really good. I highly recommend watching it. It's about a butler that served through uh, like four or five presidents at the White House. Phenomenal movie if you've never seen it. Um, your movie pick or the uh, sports picks for you this evening. Finish the Masters coverage. Still going on ESPN. So finish the Masters coverage. 
Then, 6.30 on TNT, some basketball action for you tonight. Boston Celtics take on the Milwaukee Bucks. 7 o'clock on ESPN, the Cincinnati Reds and the Atlanta Braves as baseball's first nationally televised game is underway. The NASCAR Truck Series race from Martinsville on the docket tonight at 7 o'clock on FS1. The Frozen Four NCAA Hockey Tournament continues tonight. Minnesota State takes on Minnesota. Rivalry game at the TD Garden in Boston. And then finish out your night at 9 o'clock on TNT as the now-eliminated Los Angeles Lakers take on the current three-seed Golden State Warriors. And that is a look at your nightly TV guide brought to you by Coca-Cola. Thank you very much, Brooks, for the TV guide and for being on the show today. Good, sir. And Coke in my mouth, but yes. <laughs> and we thank all those who tuned in and called in as well. For Brooks Childress, and we also appreciate Tom Green for joining us. I'm Ryan Lavoy. Have a great Thursday evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.